0: It shows what kind of person she is also because she literally has no connection to these people and we can tell from this story doesn't respect them particularly. Right. But she's not going to Mm-hmm. She's not going to tell this guy shit because fuck you, you fucking cop.
1: X-Men, X-Men. In the 21st century, people mutants led by Magneto aim to destroy the world. Only hope is...
0: X Men. Welcome to Cerebro, the X-Men podcast where a homo and his friends dig deep into the history of a homo superior. I'm your host, Connor Goldsmith, and with me today is returning guest Josh Cornillon, previously on the show for episode 34 on Megan Gwynn, aka Pixie, artist extraordinaire. Josh, how are you today?
2: I'm doing good. I'm doing great. I'm excited to be back to talk about just a stunning part of x-men lore
0: yeah an icon really
2: i think as gay people we have really ruined the word iconic and yet it's all that stacy can yet stacy x is is iconic iconic.
0: we are here for episode 69 of cerebro to talk about stacy x whose real name apparently is miranda Levald, but don't worry about it we're gonna call her (laughs) stacy because her name's stacy It makes sense. If you are a sex worker, it makes sense to have perhaps a working name. Like Mm -hmm. if she's at the X ranch, she's not going to call herself Miranda, presumably if that's like on her driver's license. So that makes sense. Here's the deal, basically. I'm just going to get into that right now. (laughs) She's created by Joe Casey and Tom Rainey. Joe Casey never gives her a name besides Stacey X. No X-Men comic gives her a name besides Stacey X. A handbook in 2003 gave her the civilian name Miranda Levald. Levald is estonian apparently looked it up this is the most i've like been conflicted on an episode title since rogue i'm calling it miranda lievald but i do feel like i should call it stacy x the thing that tipped me over was in new warriors volume four which we will get to when we get there she does introduce herself as miranda Levald, and like they use the name mm-hmm. so you know whatever it's fine but her name is stacy her name is stacy which is such
2: a good name for her.
0: Claiming that they know me, coming to me, calling me <laughs> Stacy. I'm the X to the G, E, and the E. No, don't worry about it. <laughs> so, uh, Stacy X is a character with 40 appearances. One of those appearances is a non speaking cameo, another one of those appearances is a one line cameo that just happened in the Onslaught Revelation. Fifteen of those appearances are issues of New Warriors Volume 4 that you don't need to worry about. So this is a character who has not been extensively published, but she made quite an impact in her brief tenure as a member of the X-Men <laughs> She's almost the point of view character of the short Casey Uncanny run. Yeah. Then Chuck Austin abruptly takes over the book and drives her right off a cliff. So that's, (laughs) uh, and that's the end of Stacey X until, well, we'll get into it. We're going to go chronologically. Josh, do you have anything cool to announce that you've been working on since the last time you were on the show? You just had that anthology announcement come out.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The Young Men in Love anthology coming from A Wave Blue World uh, is going to be launching for uh, Pride season. It comes in comic book shops, end of June, bookstores beginning of July. But uh, that's a collection of short stories all about queer men and non-binary people kind of finding romance, uh, but set through a bunch of different genres. And all of the stories are really, really cool, featuring a bunch of guests that you've had on here yeah, so
0: many of my favorite homosexuals are in this <laughs> anthology
2: it was really it was the gotta catch them all of comics homosexuals i have two stories in there uh, so i'm excited for people to check that out uh and then i don't know i feel like i'm always teasing that i like have things in the works but that's kind of the, the way the cookie grumbles <laughs>
0: Well, one thing that's in the works is a project that you and I are doing together Mm -hmm. that we just talked about for like two hours before we started recording Cerebro. So this is a long zoom. (laughs) This has been a time, but I wouldn't spend my Monday evening any other way.
2: You guys can't see of it. I just kind of I just kinda of raised the roof over here.
0: It helps that it's not really evening here yet. Well I guess it is, but you know, I'm I'm still in LA, so it's like <laughs> earlier evening. Josh, what is it about Stacy X that you love? You have been a Stacy X head mm-hmm. for quite some
2: time. I've been a Stan- stancy. I don't I'm not gonna take that one on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, so she obviously she kind of debuted in comics way before I was I was reading. Uh, but it was one of those articles. IGN did these really kind of cool, comprehensive articles back in like 2015, I want to say, where it was like every X-Men ever. And then they did like mm-hmm. an every Avengers ever. Yeah. And it listed all of the people who chronologically had ever been on these teams and when you look at, like, who's actually been around the time, 2015, who had actually been considered, like, an X-Men and not, Officially like, of... an x Men, Right. Yeah, it
0: wasn't... It's not until Utopia that that really kind of becomes yeah, a free-for-all. Th-
2: th- that everyone is kind of part of an X-Men team. But before, it was, like, you were either... You were an X-Men or you were Generation X, whatever.
0: Right. You were on, like, a secondary or tertiary team. Mm-hmm. Being an X-Man was a big deal. Only Cannonball of all the mm-hmm. mutants and X-Force people until the 21st century right got the promotion you know yeah to to
2: be on the team was like you had a, an arc you had a very specific yeah. kind of entryway so like looking through that list and, and it being kind of shorter than you would expect for some reason this character stacy x had like stood out to me um so i ended up like tracking down i think a couple of her appearances because it was it was hard back in the day to like find stuff online and whatever back in the day 2015 and I ended up just being like, she is so cool. And then once once I got my hands on some Marvel Unlimited, I was like, she's actually the full moment. She's actually, she's doing what the girlies are not able to do otherwise. So true. What's so interesting, and we'll get into this, it's just that she feels like a character so unlike any other X-Men character. And also, like, kind of meta-narratively, like... So unlike what the X-Men are prepared to deal with or the writers are prepared to deal with.
0: That's what I like about her is that it's sort of what Spencer and I were talking about a couple weeks ago with Callisto, which is that the existence of the Morlocks indicts the X-Men and indicts Xavierism because you have all of these mutants who are non-passing, who are destitute financially and who have nothing, no resources, and Xavier hasn't invited them to live in his mansion and just somehow missed them on his cerebro machine. For people who are not familiar at all with this character, Stacey X is a woman with snake scales in a bra and panties and opera gloves, sometimes with a trench coat over the top. She has slick back hair. She is a sex worker. She is one of the mutant sex workers, the visible mutant sex workers at a brothel called X Ranch in Nevada that one of Warren Worthington III's board members has been discreetly funding with Worthington Funds. So in the Joe Casey era on Uncanny X-Men, her introduction is 399 with art by Tom Rainey, and her design is just breathtaking, honestly. The arc is about the best little whorehouse of mutants, essentially. Mm-hmm. Warren wants to know where his money's going. This is a team led by Warren, which is new for an X-Men team. I honestly think that this run is super underrated. The Poptopia arc right before this with Sugarcane and Chamber yeah.
2: is Oh, Sugar Cane.
0: Wild I do feel like of all of the books that ran alongside the Morrison run, this is the one that complemented new X men most closely, because much like Grant is building out Mutant Town and the culture there, and you know, the mutant underclass essentially, this book has this arc where we see women who are non passing mutants who have gone into sex work. Madame Dracha who is the a queen. mistress of the house. Yeah. RIP. I mean, like, so this is the thing is for 2001, this is a really progressive portrayal of sex work. I think for mm-hmm. like a mainstream comic book, It is an arc where all but one of the sex workers is brutally murdered on page. So, yes, you know, your mileage may vary. I'm actually very interested in any particularly female sex worker perspectives on this character. If anybody would like to write in, I'd be happy to read something in a future episode because I think this character is a really important piece of representation. She is someone who has been fetishized for her minority status that is visual and marked. Mm-hmm. And she has decided, I am going to start a career by which I can use this yeah. and become powerful. So oh, I was talking about Madame Draca, and then we got distracted because she <laughs> is the queen. She breathes fire. She's just like, she passes for human. Bobby, hilariously, goes to investigate the X Ranch uh, under the alias Mr. Freeze. Love it. He says to Madame Dracha, I know this is none of my business, but I got to know why. You guys are taking a big risk here, an openly mutant brothel. And she says, I appreciate your candor, sir. And the answer is simple, empowerment. We choose how we exist in this world. We stand tall. We walk proudly. Let the giant death robots of our nightmares come. The world is changing, Mr. Freeze. And he says, point taken, power to the people. That's when we meet Stacy because she is the girl that Madame Draca has picked out for Mr. Freeze, who is, you know, a big wig guy or whatever in the false identity they put together. Stacy's power is pheromone control in the same way that Daken has pheromone control, except the application is super different in terms of how they use it. Daken mostly uses it to make you. Like, to brainwash people, like, to make yeah. people obey him or listen to him or tell him things. Stacy's power is sort of over the entire endocrine system. Mm-hmm. She just starts manipulating your adrenaline or your dopamine or whatever like the pheromones that she can release with a touch she touches you and sort of like it's like secretion almost like an oil on her right skin. like
2: chemical override yeah
0: it's not really airborne in the way that like Dawkins' power seems to be airborne
2: or that we see like or like uh, the wallflower hand. or yeah the wallflower hand.
0: It's interesting because she can't read your mind, but she can make you have any kind of physical reaction, really, that she wants you to have in the way that a lot of telepaths, especially Emma, loves that, where she's like, you know, go to sleep or whatever. And people right. do. Stacey can do that ceremonially. For, she uses it
2: for primarily two things. To make people come and make them throw up.
0: <laughs> exactly. The way that she uses her power as a sex worker is that she doesn't actually have sex with the clients. This is something later writers change, and I think, honestly, there are a lot... Most... Here's the the bottom line. Most of what anyone besides Joe Casey has ever done with this character has been atrocious, in my Mm -hmm. opinion. So, grain of salt on later writers. However, there are later writers who imply that she actually also had sex, which I think is actually important On some, like, the way that the character's introduced, it's a little bit like, she's not a real prostitute, she doesn't actually have sex with, you know, and I think that the unabashed nature of her character as a sex worker, it should be a little more complicated than that. Yeah. Yeah. But as presented in this story, and who knows if this is like a standards and practices thing, I, Like she's a new member of the X-Men. Introducing a new member of the X-Men who is a sex worker, which is not a term anybody was using in 2001. Like, she's a whore. They say that 50 times in this comic. Yeah. You know, she's a hooker. They use every word there is, and it's very overt, and it's on the page. Who knows what hoops had to be jumped through to approve this character? It's wild that we have her. That's why in a short list, like you said, yeah. of members of the X-Men, she stands <laughs> out. Because like the Morlock, she's someone Charles Xavier would never have chosen. And we'll get to that mm-hmm. in a second. Because that's the, really the centerpiece of X-Men 400, in which she is the main character. Yeah. Which is crazy. Uncanny X-Men 400 is a Stacy X comic. It's also about Nightcrawler, but a lot of it's about Stacey X.
2: Yeah, and I would love if, you know, every other milestone issue, we could kind of just touch base on her again. Touch base with
0: Stacey. What's <laughs> she up to? So Bobby goes to meet her. This is just like a really great first yeah. impression. He says she's in shadow and he says, well, this is dramatic. I'm already excited. And she says, you should be you are a real big shot, huh? All the money in the world and nowhere to spend it. If you're looking to get your mind blown, you've come to the right place. I'm Stacy. And she stepped into light and she is a snakeskin lady. And he says, whoa. And she says, did you know that lust has a taste? Not salty, like flop sweat. It's sweeter, like candy. Almost like licorice. And he says, "Um, uh, yeah, do you mind if we open the window and get a little air in here? <laughs> so... It's just, it's very funny. He says, anything to you besides the snake skin? She says, you better believe it. Can I expect some mutant tongue action here? Sorry, I don't work that way. No snake tongue, huh? Too bad. So what then? It's all about chemistry. A living body is capable of producing secretions that have never been identified pain, dementia, arousal, all chemically induced. And she touches his hand and really fucks with him and they are absolutely like this is when she leans in and like licks his neck in like a seductive way yeah she's like here's your tongue action and that's when warren cock blocks them much to bobby like can you imagine being bobby and you're already in this nightmare scenario where you're still closeted (laughs) at this point (laughs) You are in a scary dark room with a mutant serpent woman who is the fiercest aggressively woman you've coming ever on to you. Yeah, like, and terrifying to you. Her design seems very inspired by the Rebecca Romijn mystique. Yeah. She has the same slick back sort of short hair and a snakeskin pattern because they tried that with mystique very briefly in the comics and were just like, no, we have to, you know, mystique doesn't look like that in the comics. But, like, having Warren, the object of your childhood affections, be the one who interrupts your liaison with Stacey Ags? I mean, the implication
2: is that Bobby is having the fucking orgasm of his life in the corner. Yeah,
0: he falls to the ground going... And he's, like, coming in his pants in front of Warren as Warren confronts Stacy about, like, what's going on here in my name?
2: Also stunning that Stacy's in an all, like, a completely dark room, has a dramatic balcony, no furniture... She doesn't need None. anything. It's just no, the men just drop to the ground. Room.
0: The men fall to the ground and writhe. But that's the thing. So her power enables her to basically make you hallucinate. Like she can do like toad poison, basically, like pheromonally. <laughs> it's like a poison tree frog. You're like totally tripping out. But she can create sort of fantasies for you. It seems like she's able to. It's probably like a phone six operator. Like she's whispering things into your ear and you're visualizing. Right. Like, it's not entirely clear how it works, but she doesn't actually touch the clients. She uses her power to create the most intense sexual pleasure that they've ever experienced. Right.
2: She's stimulating their pleasure center and they are kind of, we see in, in different examples and we'll talk about it, but it's like she can, I guess, perpetually do that or put them in like kind of a trance state where they're just like fucking creaming. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and the implication is that all of the girls at the X-Ranch have a power like this. Mm -hmm.
2: A non-physical,
0: enthralling power. What the men are going there to do is not to fuck, but this heightened mutant power pleasure experience. So, like, the two others that we see, one of them looks like Poison Ivy, and she seems to be doing kind of a similar, like, plant mm-hmm. sex pollen thing like who knows it's very
2: poison ivy and then we've got the mr freeze and the thing and it's, yeah it's it, clearly like a batman yeah. joke
0: and then the other one is a woman who is very fat that's the part of this issue i like a little less than the rest of it just because the john comes in and he's like disgusted by her appearance and then right. little does he know that she's about to give him the most intense sexual experience of his life because she's an illusionist or what and it's like you know Yeah. That's a little whatever, but it's very 2001. We do get an interesting redemption
2: for her a little bit later we yeah. do and it's great yeah the austin run
0: of all things which is uh, <laughs> chuck austin gave that woman dignity which is crazy right <laughs> the thing that's notable about stacy is that when warren interrupts she immediately jump kicks him like directly at his face full attack yeah he is impressed by her fighting skills but he manages to restrain her and that's fully on
2: him because he could he could walk through the front door he's the one who decided to fucking pop up on the balcony there, there were There's no reason for all of the cloak and dagger. He's an investor in her place of business.
0: He could have just shown up and said, I'm funding this, apparently... I'd like a tour, please, because I didn't approve this, right? Right.
2: He could have waited for Bobby to say anything or whatever. There's no need for this subterfuge, but I'm glad that they do it. I'm glad that she gets to launch into an attack.
0: As a Warren fan, this is an arc for Warren that I actually really like, this Casey arc, because he is judgmental and kind of slut-shamey about Mm -hmm. what she does, but there's an interesting moment that kind of explains it. We'll get there in a bit. So by coincidence, the X-Men have chosen to investigate the x Ranch at the same moment that the Church of Humanity, which you will probably, if you are a listener of this podcast, only know from the Chuck Austin resolution to the Church of Humanity plot that (laughs) Chuck Austin does that's fully insane, the storyline Holy War. (laughs) Casey introduces that organization and their mysterious plans about Nightcrawler, and they're actually very scary, and it's a cool storyline. It's just that when, again, Austin takes over midstream, it becomes that insane plot about like the Rapture and the communion wafers that make people explode, <laughs> and turning Kurt into the Pope and like all of that stuff. Uh, and he was never a priest; it was all an illusion. Like that's all Chuck <laughs> later. <laughs> Here, Kurt is a recently ordained priest, and he's really perturbed by the way that these people behave. Because these guys, these Church of Humanity guys, they come into the brothel and they just start murdering everyone present. Mm-hmm. Clients and the sex workers. They kill Madame Draco first. She fights back. She's cool. I hope she's back on Krakoa and living her best life. Stacy, uh, she's in a Spider-Man pose. Mm-hmm. But she's asked to the reader and again she's just like in a thong so it's like a wild sexualized pose except what's happening is like not sexy and she says oh god they've finally come for us and there's just a very like (laughs) I'm never like a hundred like Joe Casey's an interesting writer. People have said that his stuff is like two sex cells or whatever. This story, though, is very interesting to me because like the same way that she makes Bobby uncomfortable, Stacy is constantly making the reader uncomfortable by being this sex object who doesn't fit into the story that she's in. Right. She's incredibly sexual,
2: but she's not particularly sexy. And part of that is like her appearance is like, you know, reptilian and whatever, And she's also kind of like foul-mouthed and quick to to fight people. But I think it's also, it's just like, the X-Men as a concept are so horny. And their legacy is like Claremont, it's in the water.
0: Right. But so much of Claremont is like, this person would never really do this kinky thing. Right. Stacey X is someone who's like, yeah, no, I fuck for a living.
2: And nobody knows what to do with it.
0: All the X-Men characters are like, who is this woman? What do we do?
2: Like, half of their adventures involve them, like, wearing thongs and leather, like, and in, in all of this bondage gear. And she comes in. She's like, oh, that sounds really cool. And they're like, what? What?
0: What is this y- person? What you like wearing? wearing? They all comment on what she wears. And it's like...
2: It's the exact same thing that everybody else has been wearing. Yeah.
0: Silek's been wearing that for 10 years, and none of you have said boo about it. It's not the outfit.
2: It's just, it's so interesting that she is, she's so kind of brought forward as this character where like sex is on the surface for her and all of these characters where sex has been like the b plot line of everything that they've ever done every glance they've ever made to each other and they just they don't know how to handle it they can't deal with her
0: and it feels in that way like she's confronting the reader to me because this is coming right off of the 90s where like superhero comic books had so much tna nonsense in Mm -hmm. them And it was all sex sells. And now here's someone literally selling sex, but she's disarming and alarming. Mm -hmm. In the following issue Uncanny 400, she gets to be like a very real person who's not in any way sexualized. I just think this character is fascinating. And I wish that she had more of a run. You know, Austin just gets rid of her so quick.
2: yeah i mean we'll get to the i actually think austin does some incredibly interesting interesting work with her also and it it feels incredibly like accidental super accidental like what stacy thrives in is when these writers are almost like oh yeah like you should kind of think badly of stacy and stacy the character is almost like no, I don't give a fuck. Like Stacy
0: refuses to be horror shamed by the people around her and also by the reader. Is right. The thing. That's my issue in Austin. Is that I think that Austin Stacy is more like tragic in a way that the character would right. not respect. Like Casey's Stacy, right, but <laughs> Casey Stacy would never let the reader see her sweat in that way.
2: Yeah, and I think that Austin. Uh, it's interesting in the in the Casey run that Stacy is the only woman on the team. It's a relatively small team. It's Chamber, Nightcrawler, Angel, Wolverine, Iceman, and so she's the only woman on the team. She could be the Smurfette, but she's Stacy X, so she's never going to be the Smurfette.
0: Right. Like, there's none of these guys are trying to date Stacy X. Right. I mean, so actually, let's get through to 400 because there's <laughs> yeah. very, very, like, God, this is good. Yeah, I'm, so I'm just trying, I'm not trying not to spoil it because that issue is so shocking. Yeah. That... yeah, 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 Anyway, the Church of Humanity kills everyone there except for Stacy and the X-Men. Stacy clearly knows how to fight. She's like a serious martial artist. Mm-hmm. She is fighting her way through these guys, but one of them zaps her and Warren saves her. Warren is still blue in this period, by the way, but he has the feathery wings back.
2: He sometimes has a goatee, sometimes doesn't. It's upsetting.
0: Yeah, he doesn't have a goatee in this arc, thankfully. <laughs> well, it's not a goatee. It's like a soul patch, very specifically. Yeah, it's not right. <laughs> he does not have it here. One thing that's nice here is, like, while he is judgmental of Stacy and of sex work throughout this arc, he says to her when he's convincing her to come with them, he's like, you want to stay here? You wouldn't be the sole survivor of this lynching for long. He still, on a mutant level, relates to... He's like, this is an attack on mutants. Because the thing that we've said about the Morlocks is that, like, do the Morlocks matter to Charles Xavier? Mm -hmm. Is the mutant massacre an indictment of the fact that they didn't matter to him? And clearly, these sex workers being murdered matter to Warren, even if he doesn't respect the profession Again, like the explanation for why he has such an issue with it makes it all make more sense later on. Yeah, yeah. She gets on the blackbird with them and they are like, Stacy, do you have a last name? And she's like, call me Stacy X. There is a persistent thing, and I've said it on the pod even because you see it around so much that I've just assumed it's true. The idea is that her name was supposed to be X Stacy, like ecstasy mm-hmm. with a hyphen. I cannot find a citation for that, though, and it never occurs in a comic book. So while I like that, I don't know if it's actually true. I think maybe her name's just Stacy X, because why not? In the age of Moira X, why not have a Stacy? X? <laughs> yeah, she, it's actually Stacy 10. Stacey 10, the 10 little deaths of Stacy. <laughs> so <laughs> she tags along on their team. She is very skeptical of the X-Men. She's never heard of any of them.
2: Which I love.
0: Yeah, like Nightcrawler's like, Welcome aboard, Call me Nightcrawler. And she's like, Nightcrawler. Right. Cool. This is so stupid. Like, why do you have code <laughs> names? Like, she's just standing there in her lingerie. Like, cool. Okay. I'm on your ship now. You're all insane people. He's a priest, by the way. What's going on? Like, he's wearing his priest collar. She's like, Cool. She goes, quite a rescue operation you guys put on. At least five of my coworkers, not to mention my house mother, have been murdered by those fanatic butchers. What are you staring at to chamber? And he's like, oh, uh, and she's like, just back off, no face. She's not nice. She's not a nice character. No. And I love that about her. Absolutely. Because I wouldn't be nice either if all of my friends <laughs> and my mother figure had just been murdered in front of me. Yeah. She has human reactions to the X-Men situations. Steve was just saying on a, a podcast that I did with him, I did the Gray Malcolm Lane podcast, which was a lot of fun. It should be out soonish if it's not already. He was talking about how Somnus is a fun character to have in this new Marauders run because everything that to the X Men, like the Shiar, the this and that, like that's like very bog standard to them, is insane to him. And mm-hmm. Stacy is someone who clearly. As we'll later learn, was on the streets, has not had a good run of it, had an abusive family home life situation, developed a mutant power, used it for sex. Like she's been building her own life with no regard for what the fuck Charles Xavier and his Mm X-Men are up to. That's not something that crosses her radar. She is trying to live her life and she is trying to get by in a world where they have never done shit for her until today. Right. And they should have come before all of her friends got killed.
2: Wait, right, we find out that she she doesn't really know the X-Men. She knows Warren from having read about him. Warren's
0: famous individually, so she knows who he is.
2: So she has this I, this concept of, like, there are famous mutants, and then there's the people like me. Um, and so for this to kind of intersect in her life for the first time, she's like, whoa. Huh. But also it, it's accompanying, like unimaginable tragedy all of her friends were just killed
0: yeah and and they're all acting like she's being a little crazy to be so like you know yeah short with them and it's like (laughs) okay but it has shades of the mutant massacre this issue it's really upsetting that's why when i say this is like a progressive portrayal of sex work i mean stacy is a progressive portrayal of a sex worker for this time especially in this genre the fact that all of these sex workers get murdered to give these men something to go, oh, we arrived too late. Like, that is not progressive. It's also a,
2: a very Casey thing. He, like, seconds or issues before, does this uh, to, the like, the London Morlocks. He just, like, kills a ton of them. This has such a big body count.
0: But I think that's part of what he's doing with this run, which is that, like, Again, in the same way that Morrison was building out mutant culture, mm-hmm. Casey's interested in the mutants that the X Men are not paying attention yeah. to and don't care about. So, like the London Morlocks, who even knew there were London Morlocks, right? right. We never heard of these people before. This situation where it's like Warren didn't even know that this place existed and he was paying for it because he's so rich that they can just, <laughs> that can, like, Stacy's entire life is something that one of Warren's board members wrote off without telling Warren. And Warren didn't notice until she'd been (laughs) there for years. Yeah. That's wild to contemplate, to think about. And at the same time, this arc is about how Nightcrawler... The whole Casey run, I mean, and I'm Mm -hmm. sad that we never get to see where it was going. It's Nightcrawler questioning not his faith in God, but his faith in the X-Men and Xavier and in whether they're doing anything that matters. You also have the X-Core arc where Banshee sort of takes the X-Men as cops thing to its ultimate logical conclusion and Mm -hmm. a lot of people get hurt. So there's a lot going on here and it's a shame, I think, that he only gets like 20 issues because... I think the themes he was exploring are a lot more interesting than almost anything that Chuck Austin did with the book. Yeah. And like I said, it feels really in dialogue with New X-Men, which is yeah. interesting because New X-Men otherwise feels very isolated from the rest of the X-Men line at this time.
2: Well, that kind of takes us into, into 400 because yes. we immediately open with uh, Stacy almost having the Emma Frost, Frank Quitely outfit, yes. but in black.
0: And she has an ex now on her belt. She is fully a member of the team. One issue later, it's a Cully Hamner splash page that's so great. They all get a little, you know, Kurt Wagner, a.k.a. Nightcrawler, teleportation ability. Mm -hmm. Jonathan Starsmore, a.k.a. Chamber of Bioblast. Stacey X, Feminine Control. Like, she's on the team. Yeah. She's here. Get used to her. And she's kicking a Church of Humanity guy in the fucking face. And she looks great doing it. Yeah, she just, she looks so cool. She is so cool. (laughs) cool. She is so cool. The thing about Stacy is that she is like, they're all sort of quipping the way that the X Men do sometimes, like in that we're bantering while we fight Spider Man kind of way. Stacy is so incandescently angry about what happened in the previous issue that, like, there's no jokes. Mm-hmm. She's just trying to kill people. And the X Men are like, mm, hold on, Stacy. Like, <laughs> and it's. <laughs> But again, it shows that, like, to the X-Men, this is kind of a game, almost. Yeah, this is
2: a Tuesday.
0: Right. And to her, this is, like, my entire life was just destroyed. And, like, none of the members of the X-Men, not even Kurt, who is, like, the most compassionate among them, not one of them could name for you Mm -hmm. one of those girls that was killed in 399. Yeah. It's very much like Tommy the Morlock that way. It's, like, this is a sacrifice in the narrative to show you that there is an underclass of visible, Mm -hmm. poor mutants that the X-Men do jack shit for. Yeah. And this is around the same time that Xavier does launch X-Corporation, which is a global outreach thing, and we start to see that. But at this stage in the case, that hasn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. And I feel almost like the critique that Casey made in this story is what... Because like x Corp is taken out in the next arc, which we'll get to, and then X-Corp... Starts up, and it does feel almost like the Stacey critique is the critique being heard by the franchise. Right. 400 has a whole bunch of different artists on it. Ashley Wood does these truly wild, Mm. I don't know what they are, watercolor, like it's, it's really...
2: Yeah, painterly pages... Hard to decipher at times. Hard but to
0: understand what's going on, but really beautiful to look really at. Really pretty, yeah. The Church of Humanity is here. The Supreme Pontiff of the Church of Humanity, as written by Joe Casey, is absolutely fucking terrifying. And a really great villain. And again, it is a shame that this all goes up in clown shoe flames <laughs> in the Chuck Austin <laughs> run. But... um <laughs> There's a great moment where they're looking at the equipment that the church guys were using. And Stacy accidentally activates one of their teleporters, which is very funny. She, she picks it up. She's like, huh. And uh, Bobby goes, hey, you want to put that <laughs> down over there? That's a teleportation net, you know? And she goes, you want to blow it out your... Uh, oh, shit. And she teleports away. <laughs> then it's the Ashley Wood um, painterly pages again. And this is a beautiful sequence where... She suddenly teleports into the Church of Humanity's base. Someone screams, infestation, all hands, neutralize the mutant. And she says, go ahead, neutralize me, as she kicks someone in the fucking head. And then there's like a whole, you know, fight sequence. But they capture her, and they chain her up, and they torture the ever-living shit out of her. It's not graphic, because it's in these painterly pages, but it is horrific, The church guy who's interrogating her, it's like very Spanish Inquisition, goes, this pain is only the beginning. Now tell me of your brethren. We must know the enemy as we know ourselves. You wear the X. Tell me of your history with these X-Men. Stacy says. X-Men? Oh, right. The X-Men, that's my outfit. Sure, (laughs) let me tell you about the X-Men. And then it cuts to a totally different artist. I forget. Who this is? I think it, it's... Um, I think it's
2: Javier Pulido.
0: It's the origin of Stacey X, except it's like done in the style of an Archie comic. And she, <laughs> I'm just going to read it because it's, it's great. It's so funny. You know, I was just an all-American kid once, living the suburban dream, the glory years of the public school system. I had it all. Acceptance, popularity, envy of the have-nots, every girl's dream. Didn't last, though. Puberty's rough enough for most kids. But for me, something else was happening to my body. Something painful. Let me tell you, this went beyond cramps. And then she's now got scales. Guess my story is not much different than my uh, fellow teammates. <laughs> How many kids can say they looked in the mirror and saw a mutant staring back? I didn't react too well to my transformation. Denial is a funny thing. She's a cheerleader now. I'd actually convinced myself I could go back to school and that my friends would understand that they'd accept me for who I was inside. I guess denial and delusion go hand in hand. (laughs) Things didn't work out as I'd hoped. Everyone was avoiding me like the black plague. I couldn't even sweet talk my teachers when I'd accidentally forget my homework. Bummer, huh? As for my friends, now it's the locker room and it's like Carrie and like the girls are throwing things at her. (laughs) Why don't you go find a rock to crawl under? Yeah, go pollute a different school. Freak, skank, mutie. Well, I guess the slumber parties were over. (laughs) So now she's on the streets of New York in a bulky parka. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're thinking. Another homeless mutant walking the streets. We've seen it a million times. Trick is to keep yourself covered up. One glimpse of skin by the general populace, and they call in the giant killer robots to fry you on sight. I couldn't bring myself to leave the city, though. Homelessness can make for strange alliances. And she's bonding with some fellow squatters in like a makeshift shelter they've made with a fire and a trash can. Who knew it was loitering or unlawful assembly? Someone shouts, the cops. And she says, or maybe they just didn't like the way we looked. This one's a mutie, the cop says. And this is wild. It's a silhouetted panel of these policemen in riot helmets holding up billy clubs to club her to death. This one's a mutie. Don't touch her. Take her out. Don't let her up. Thought I was done for. And then, oh, and they all collapse. Don't be scared. You're safe now. They won't hurt you again. And she turns around and it's (laughs) Charles Xavier in his wheelchair with a telepathic coruscation of light around him. And he says, do you really think this is the answer for us scrounging for food in society's back alleyways, scrounging for identity? You're a mutant. Accept that fact. My name is Charles Xavier. Your assailants were the unfortunate victims of a telepathic attack. If you seek shelter, if you truly seek acceptance, I suggest you come with me. Her narration continues. Baldy was as good as his word. Next thing you know, I'm living in a mansion in Salem Center. He called it a school. It was a lot more than that. Pretty soon he had to be jumping through hoops in a funky gymnasium we like to call the danger room. Not for the weak, let me tell you. This panel is Stacey X in a 60s X-Men uniform, <laughs> dodging missiles in the danger room. Stacy, Professor Xavier calls. Maintain peripheral awareness at all times. Our enemies will not show us the mercy these combat programs do. The professor was worse than a drill sergeant, but that's what it takes to be one of the X-Men, baby. It continues in this way. She positions herself as Marvel Girl. Like, it's the original X-Men, with her. Yeah. She she is the one who has a will-they-won't-they with Scott, He is too nervous to approach her, but they're so in love. She and Scott are the only two that carry over to the second Genesis team in the seventies. Now don't get me wrong. This new team ended up rocking on its own merits. We kicked the crap out of anyone who got in the way, literally buried the old team's rep. Then one day the professor called me into his office. You know, you're my most trusted student. That's why I've chosen you for this mission. I'm sending you undercover. You leave for Nevada immediately. Next thing you know, I'm working at the X-Ranch. Actually, I was running the place, making money hand over fist. That is until your minion showed up to burn the place off the map. I did what I could to call in my fellow X-Men to pull me out, but not before I took a few of your lapdogs down. So that's my story, a real rags to riches tale, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> Your fable reeks of falsehoods from beginning to end. And she just grins at him. And this is back in the really painterly really beautiful style. She's hanging upside down. It's just her teeth. It's a great panel. And he says, thou shalt not lie. And continues to torture her in horrific ways. Again, we don't really see it. We just yeah. see her face and she's screaming. Here's the thing. First of all, this is Uncanny X-Men 400. This is the milestone issue. And Stacy gives you a parody, summary Of the Silver Age and Bronze Age X-Men stories with the only thing about them that's different and therefore ridiculous being that this ugly mutant hooker would be in the team. And it underlines the fact that it's unjust that none of these people have ever met her or heard of her or done anything to help her her entire life.
2: Right. Well, it's very much like up until the point where Xavier comes to rescue her. That could, I mean... That could be real. Yeah, that could be real. I don't think it is based on other things we find out, but it could be her, but instead she was never rescued.
0: I skipped over a part where her mother's boyfriend is abusive physically to her because she has a visible mutation. That part, Austin will establish that she was molested by her stepfather. Right. the implication. So clearly she's basing some of this story on her real life but the Riverdale High thing that she's giving herself here is very clearly not ever how she grew up right right she's making fun of the fact that the X-Men are these kids whose biggest problem was that someone was mean to them at high school
2: right and that they're all just these kind of like plucked perfect like as dark as her story like almost attempts to go it suddenly becomes like she's she's rescued and heroic but we know the real Stacy wasn't rest. Like,
0: she wasn't at the X-Ranch because Xavier sent her there. She was at the X-Ranch because Xavier didn't care about her. Right. And she needed
2: to survive. He doesn't know who the fuck she is and never would care. And has him. never looked for her. Yeah.
0: <sighs> Man. It's just, it's really good. And it's a, it's a shocking thing to do with an issue 400. This is the real centerpiece of the issue.
2: It's Yeah, it's not an insignificant amount of the issue's pages.
0: It's like many pages. And she does this. This is a story she is telling the Supreme Pontiff while hanging upside down and being tortured. So it shows what kind of person she is also because she literally has no connection to these people. And we can tell from this story, doesn't respect them particularly. Right. But she's not going to rat. Mm -hmm. she's not going to tell this guy shit because fuck you, you fucking cop. That's the attitude. And that's the thing about her that I find most satisfying is that she won't sell out any... She's very Mob Wives. I've been binging Mob Wives recently Mm -hmm. on Amazon Prime, (laughs) and it costs a lot on Amazon Prime, but if you get it on the VH1 on demand, it has all the wrong music, which freaks me out. Like, I don't like when the licensing (laughs) fucks up, you know, like it's not... Yeah, yeah. So I've been occasionally treating myself like I will purchase another season of Mob Wives on, uh, on Amazon because <laughs> they are expensive. But anyway, the worst thing you can be on Staten Island and Mob Wives is a rat. And like Stacy <laughs> is not a rat. Like she will never mm-hmm. do that to you. She doesn't know these people particularly. She's been on their stupid ship for like three days. She's not going to give up any information that might get them hurt because mm-hmm. we're all mutants. We're all in this together. I'm not going to do that. And she's willing to physically suffer an enormous amount of pain to do that. There's a great bit, though, where then she almost manages to rescue herself by luring one of the guards close enough. <laughs> it's like very, it's one of those very like Star Wars-y kind yeah. of things or whatever. Where it's just like, yep, we're in the brig, but like, we're going to get out. She just taps him. She. Goes- <laughs> it's really funny. She goes... Ooh, God, torture gets me so hot. Mm, can't keep my hands off myself. <laughs> and this priest guy looks in like, what the fuck are you talking about? She goes, hey there, I knew someone out there liked to watch. How's a chastity. Who needs him, huh? <laughs> then she reaches out and goes, hold still now, and taps him on the face. You feel that? A tickle in your brain? That's me. It's all chemical. And he goes, And falls on the ground, screaming and screaming and screaming. Who knows what she just did? But she's real scary peeking out from the bars with her snake eyes lit up all yellow. Like, she's such a cool design is part of it. The X-Men come to save her, but she also really does rescue herself. Their faith in her to let her tag along on these missions is clearly not unfounded because she's pretty good at all of this. Yeah, yeah. She has an interesting repartee with Chamber. There's sort of a will they, won't they with her in Chamber and with her in Warren, mm-hmm. which is funny because like she's not the Smurfette because like no one will touch her.
2: Right? <laughs> will they? There could they be, be a romance. Very arc won't they. with either
0: of these <laughs> characters, but it's like very won't they. Yeah. One thing I do like is she's so she's a total like tough guy. The torture didn't bother me at all. Mm-hmm. And then when Wolverine sees her and chamber he goes you two all right and she goes thanks for asking not really <laughs> <laughs> because like no it's like, like i was just tortured for like several hours while lying to protect That's a great all question. of you so, no, yeah. the no i'm not. i'm actually doing horribly. I've just been agonizingly tortured by an insane bigot in a papal robe.
2: This issue is such a good, like, uh, we had mentioned that she's the only girl on the team and it's a it's a small team, so she could be like the gene of the team, but she's not, she complains, she's upset that she just got tortured. She's always
0: whining, but the thing is, like, I don't know, I, I find her so relatable I, that yeah. it never, like, she says the shit that I would say if I were on an ex mission, and that's mm-hmm. why along with the fact that the centerpiece had the issue is her fake backstory that maybe is partially true she is the pov character of this story which is crazy because like you look at the characters that x-men has deigned to make the pov character Mm -hmm. kitty pride jubilee this is at the same time that morrison is doing it with angel salvador and i think the fact that angel gets kind of dropped midway through New X-Men is one of the flaws in that run Mm -hmm. that I otherwise really love. But Angel and Stacy are both extremely unlikable. Yeah. They're not cute. They're not nice. They're not obedient. And Kitty and Jubilee cause plenty of mischief and can be bratty or whatever. Right. But these characters really don't respect the core premise of Xavierism. they've suffered in a way that none of these people have really suffered and they're just kind of over it and there's something very refreshing about both of them and the fact that they're happening simultaneously yeah
2: there's no wink to the to the audience that like aren't I just being a little cheeky like Stacy is giving the audience a full like middle finger and just being like but I'm also going to keep appearing in these issues so right like
0: I hate it here I hate all these people but guess what (laughs) I'm in this book, bitch. Like, I'm booked and busy, (laughs) and I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) And the thing is, like, this character, I think a lot of people see her as, like, kind of a poochie or, like, you know, as a a character that was, like, very forced. But I find it so natural. Like, she just fits right into the team immediately. And she's never, like, she's so flawed as a person that it never feels like a creator's pet. Character, yeah. If she is like clearly a character he loves because he brings her back later, and we'll get into that. She's never doing anything like
2: so like world breaking, so exemplary.
0: Right, she's not too powerful, and nobody really likes her, so you don't feel like you're being forced to like the character. I just do because she's fun. Well, her continued presence, though,
2: like it is that just that element of being like. Like, why is Stacey still here? But like, of course she's still here. Like,
0: right. Like every issue that she continues to be there is a surprise. Like you're like, Stacey X is still here because she feels like a one-off character, but then she never goes away.
2: That almost like the reader questioning why she's there becomes core to who she is. And she starts to like address that in the other. Because
0: the other characters are questioning why she's there. Right. I mean, it's like what I said about how Tommy the Moorlock is this one issue indictment of the Uh X-Men. This is a character who refuses to be one issue. She's going to keep going. She's going to keep saying, "Mm, I think that sounds like bullshit, actually,
2: to me. (laughs) Because she
0: refuses.
2: She's a character that refuses.
0: (laughs) And I will say that Casey comes up with a lot of really inventive things her powers can do. Uh Like in this issue, she wakes up Kurt with like an adrenaline boost We see lots of useful applications of her power beyond the obvious pheromone power sex worker thing that would have just been like lusty lust all the time. That's almost never what she does, honestly. She's much more like, oops, made you angry. Oops, made you scared. Oops, made you pass out. Oops, made you throw up everywhere. Like. She's
2: giving people orgasms quite a bit, but they almost never feel like pleasure. It, it feel it's an offensive. No, it's
0: like she's electrocuting your brain. Right. Exactly. You know,
2: and it, she's like incapacitating these people. And, you know, ostensibly they're feeling pleasure. But it's also it's scary what she's doing. Yeah, it's harmful.
0: The following issue, 401, is the Nuff Said issue, which it is rough to go up against the Grant Morrison Nuff Said issue, which is so good. But this yeah. one's pretty good. In it, we see that Stacey's fighting skills are beyond, like, anything. we Like, she, whatever her actual backstory is, mm-hmm. she can actually fight Wolverine. Like, he wins yeah. pretty handily. But she gives him a workout. Like, mm-hmm. she has him actually, like, working to beat her. She's very gymnastic. She's very limber. Wolverine,
2: of course, being carried over visually from the, the Quietly era.
0: From New X-Men, yeah.
2: Within his most fort trough, like, apparently. Literally,
0: yes. Which becomes a plot point, actually, with Stacy. <laughs> um <laughs> So this is the X-Core arc where Banshee has gone fash. (laughs) I think he looks really hot, but he's unfortunately (laughs) lost his mind because Moira died, allegedly. My favorite part of this is Stacy. This is also, this is a Lady Mastermind arc. Martin is all over this arc and she's great. But Stacy, when Banshee's explaining his like, nothing to see here. We're just like in a police mutant kind. She leans over to Chamber and she goes, you know this Irish cop? Because <laughs> <laughs> the... like Stacy X said a Cab. Like Stacey X hates cops. This arc is funny because she doesn't do that much in it. But every time you see her in a panel, while like they're all in these very sleek, like fash movie inspired, the x Corps wears the X-Men movie costumes, which I yeah. think is really interesting. This is where we get the plot where Warren addresses the G8, which is kind of a cool moment for him. Uh, Stacy, though, doesn't understand why he's bothering to do this. He says, This is the first year the G8 leaders were even willing to discuss the current state of mutant affairs. I had to choose my words carefully. Even the most benevolent world leaders get anxious when talking to us. And Stacy says, Then why bother? And he says, When you meet Charles Xavier, you'll understand why. Banshee's got his way of doing things. We've got ours, but no one wants war. Any chance we can get to promote a general understanding? And Stacy says, are you nuts? They don't want to understand us. Mm-hmm. You're fighting a losing battle, man. They just as soon incinerate us. If I had a dime for every time I've been marked for death, you'd be a millionaire? Well, I am a millionaire. I think I know what I'm talking <laughs> about, Stacey, which is one of Ward's most unbearable moments. <laughs> The world is a complicated place. There are no easy answers. Tolerance levels aren't exactly high. They're afraid of us, no matter what they say. They're afraid. That fear breeds hate. And Stacy says, they should be afraid. We're the next step. There's no getting around that. And he says, you're so sure about that? I never knew acute self-awareness was something you needed in your line of work. Which, again, like...
2: Is an insane thing to say to a sex worker, though.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's just so rude. It's like, Warren... You were born a millionaire is the Mm -hmm. thing. Like you didn't become a millionaire because you're a genius. You inherited that money from your daddy. So as a Warren fan, like I think some people think he's a little out of character here. I don't mind it because first of all, it's coming off his breakup with Betsy. So like he's all Mm -hmm. to to begin with. She's about to die in extreme also. But that's another story (laughs) that factors into Chuck Austin. We'll get there. I think it's
2: in character for Warren as also a Warrens fan because historically there are very few kind of non-human passing mutants on the X-Men. And so rarely is his like perspective kind of challenged or even like broadened in that kind of way. And it, I don't know, I don't feel like it's a character ruining thing for him to have an unawares moment.
0: For him to be ignorant about sex workers in 2001? No, I don't think yeah. it's a character-breaking moment. And I think that the way he and Stacy are written here is very realistic. And I think what's interesting is Casey is criticizing Warren's corporate neoliberal perspective, but Warren is still the main character of the book and is treated very sympathetic. Like, we're supposed to... Care about yeah. warren and like warren it's this is something that is a thing about his character this is when uh they go speak to Sunpire leyu yoshida cool. a character i did not mention once i realized after recording in the sunfire episode last week because guess what she doesn't make any sense the whole point is that sunfire's mother died in childbirth where did this younger sister come from scott labdell why does she have a <laughs> chinese name that starts with an l that feels like quite an oversight. Also, Mystique murders her here and she never comes back and matters ever again. So uh, don't worry about it.
2: She barely matters in this arc.
0: This is her second storyline and she gets her throat slit by Mystique and we never have to think about her again. She's just mean. There's even a moment where <laughs> Warren's so rude. He goes, why are you here, Layu? And why isn't your brother with you? And she says, he was asked, he declined i've taken his (laughs) place like literally not available they're doing weird experiments on abyss a character you don't need to worry about but stacy walks up to the they're all like just talking while this guy is like in a zordon tube like being (laughs) floated around and stacy walks right up to the tube and says can you hear me in there kid they just as soon put me in there with you Again, these little moments where she is the one who criticizes. Because, like, they're all perturbed by Banshee's weird fascist turn in this story. Yeah. But they're not
2: doing anything about it. And there's this constant through line of them being like, we know him and we know this isn't him. And she's like, I don't know him. What the fuck is this? And he's
0: a fucking psycho cop. (laughs) Yeah, And we need to do something about this. And they all just ignore her. I mean, like, the Gen X girls show up here. Mm -hmm. Husk and Jubilee and Monet, because that book was recently canceled. And they're like, we're here to keep an eye on him and make sure he doesn't do anything too evil. And it's like, guys. (laughs) The evil's happening. (laughs) Yeah, like, evil's happening. So Stacey eventually gets so sick and tired of, like, all these people just ignoring her that she fucks off (laughs) to the woods with Radius, Unus the Untouchable's illegitimate son, who's an Alpha Flight character, do not worry about it.
2: <laughs> well, there is kind of a cool moment. So, Unus the antagonist. Yeah, no, obviously. we're, we're going to worry about okay. the scene. I'm just saying, don't worry about Radius. He's right. not a character <laughs> you need to worry about.
0: He's an asshole, but he's hot. That's all you really need to know about Radius. <laughs> and he can't be touched. He can't be touched because he has, like, a skid-style force field all around his body. And so, it's a, so it cuts to the woods, and it says three hours earlier. Because you're wondering at this point, point you're like, where's Stacy gone? Like, where's she at? So she's sitting in, like, a clearing with Radius. And she says, just hold still, sport. And he says, don't hold back. My Franks are as good as anyone else's. I grew up in an orphanage. Hull house, it was called. Me and my brother Adrian. There was this bully. Kept picking on us. He couldn't touch me. Though one day I thought I'd let him. I just sat there. Let him wail on me. Still nothing. I thought it was so cool. I don't need your life story, Corbeau. <laughs> <laughs> I cut you a break on the price. Don't spoil it by boring me to death. Now just breathe. Nothing yet. Shh. Wait a second. And then a whole bunch of helicopters arrive and fuck them up. But what's interesting about this is the reveal that Stacy is still doing mm-hmm. sex work, or at least like the version, or her like pheromonal, yeah. pseudo telepathic sex work. She doesn't stop doing that just because she's palling around with the X-Men.
2: And we actually, we see that in the um, the Nuff Said issue when Wolverine comes to fight her. What he actually yeah. discovers she's doing is there. there's this guy. I think the implication is that he's like a congressman senator or something mm-hmm. on the bed in his boxers, not fully naked. And he has a little American flag in his hand. And I think the idea thats that we're picking up there is that she's still taking clients.
0: She's still taking clients while saying, I'm a member of the Mm X-Men. And that is something that, again, like for 2001, I think this is a pretty crazy thing. Like, I have a lot of friends who do sex work or have done sex work. I grew up gay in New York. I came up in the nightlife. I know a lot of people, queer people in particular, who have done survival sex work like Stacey or who have chosen to go into sex work. There was nothing in popular media at this time. Like the hooker with a heart of gold is a trope, Mm -hmm. right? Like, oh, she's a fallen woman, but she has a sweetheart or whatever, and she'll die tragically at the end to save the heroine or whatever. That's a trope. This character is a hero in the book and like an ongoing member of the X-Men and is also continuing to be an active sex worker who's taking clients in the comic book. Mm -hmm. That's wild. That's wild to me. It never feels to me like there's that short packed parody of Frank Miller, where it's like Frank, we need you to just write one thing that doesn't have the word horse in it. And he just starts <laughs> typing like horse 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 <laughs> on the typewriter because he can't help himself. It never feels like Frank Miller, even though she's a very Sin City type of character. It like she feels like one of those old town yeah. girls who's like, you know, a super prostitute assassin or whatever. Like he does. But she feels like a real person. She feels like a lot of people I know who've done sex work because it was the only thing that made sense for them to do in order to survive.
2: And what's interesting in, in the Casey run specifically, it changes a little bit once we kind of get to the Austin run. Well, yeah. But she doesn't, beyond her friends being killed, like on the page, she doesn't come with this kind of sense of like, oh, like you should be so sad for Stacy X. Like things have been so hard for her.
0: She never complains. She just exists in a way yeah. that indicts them all by the fact that her life has happened to her. But she doesn't complain about her life. She right. just is the example of what they have allowed to happen.
2: Yeah, and it's like that that parody of like the the what her life could have been if she like if Charles Xavier rescued her or whatever like that's played for such like a like she is aware of the the insanity of that.
0: She thinks it's funny. She's trolling that guy who's torturing her.
2: So the reader is never like, Stacey X has overcome so much. You should feel so sad for her. And like, isn't it so great that she's pulled herself up? She's like, haven't pulled myself up. I'm still doing what I do. Like, this was my life. This still is my life. This will be my life after you guys.
0: Yeah. And I mean, like, again, it's wild that that's her second appearance. Mm -hmm. But For me, I'm already invested enough in the character. Like, the one-two punch of the massacre at the X-Ranch, her rage, her incandescent rage, that introduction scene with Bobby where you get her personality completely, and then the fact that the following issue, you get that. Mm -hmm. You get an understanding of not just, like, maybe a little bit of where she's come from or where she didn't come from, but also her sense of humor. Yeah, I'm so in with this character immediately. Like she is so funny, but not funny in a way where she's like trying to be funny.
2: No, she's she's just She's not cracking the world is funny.
0: (laughs) She just points at things and goes like, Look at that. Wow. And you laugh because she's absolutely right. There's a great bit here where like it cuts from the flashback with her in Radius, because Avalanche and Blob attack them. Then it flashes to like the morning, and there's like dawn you could hear the birds basically like looking at the page she's like face planted in the ground and just slowly pushes herself up and goes someone's dying for this <laughs> that is a great... it's like she's in this really again like she's not sexy her face is like half in shadow she looks like a scary snake person and it's good it's really great
2: yeah there, it's, it's just funny because there's like There's a world where this story happens, and she's not in it, and everyone's just like, Banshee's being a little weird right now, but like we should investigate. And then there's this world where she is part of the team, and she's like, guys, what the fuck is this?
0: Guys, what the hell is going on here? Why are none of you doing anything about this? And by the way, Paris gets blown up in this arc, because Mystique has (laughs) infiltrated x Corps. Paris fully gets blown up. The Eiffel Tower collapses. It is noted, <laughs> it is noted at the in the dénouement of the arc that it is going to take billions of dollars to rebuild Paris. Mutants are now a huge problem in France in a way they haven't been before. Like this is a gigantic L for <laughs> mutants everywhere. And Stacey was when really, he was like. You guys know this cop? (laughs) I don't like the look of him, frankly. I don't like what he's saying. It doesn't sit right with me. And she's absolutely right. And that's the thing about Stacey is, again, like she's not a character that they compel you to feel sorry for. And she's not a character that they have give like speeches most of the time. Mm -hmm. But by just being there, she's very Jim in the office at times. Like she turns sort of directly to the reader like, you guys looking at this? You guys seeing what's going on? But not in like a Deadpool way where she actually breaks the fourth wall. You just know that if you were there, you'd be like, I know, Stacy, this is crazy. Like you guys right. just like, you're like. And, and that she is
2: the POV character, but not in a way that a POV character has ever existed where they're like, I'm taking in this world with like wonderment and amazement, like I'm, I'm joining the world of the X-Men. She's like, oh fuck, like this is what y'all do all the time, like.
0: You have so much money and this is what you do with it? <laughs> It? this is weird this is weird behavior
2: and you see it kind of jumping right in because we've kind of talked about how this this arc wraps up but um, during the course of it uh, Nightcrawler and Chamber teleport super far away
0: yes they get tele- they teleport off to Germany I guess yeah. it's a little confusing but
2: like <laughs> they're just they're gone
0: Nightcrawler like overshoots his Mark or whatever and then Chamber yeah reaches out telepathically and finds Stacy and she's very upset To have a telepath in her head. Mm -hmm. She doesn't like the sensation. It's never happened to her before. And she does not like it. And she marches in while Warren is talking on the phone about all of the issues with X Ranch being a subsidiary of whatever. And all of now the issues in France. And she actually goes, rich boy, I am not happy. (laughs) Iconic. And he says, I'm so shocked. When they get to Nightcrawler and Chamber, she's really upset with Chamber. And she says, look, kid, I'm not thrilled to have anyone sneaking into my brain when I'm not looking. Don't call me kid. I did what I had to do. Is that so? Well, Why'd you have to pick me? Let me clue you in on something. No one's allowed in this disco without valid ID. Aim that telepathy in another direction next time. Right, stone me. I didn't pick your name out of a hat, you know. Uh Uh-huh. You still haven't answered my question. Why me? I thought you'd be the only one who'd not only listen, but who'd take me seriously. Oh. Like it's never occurred to her that anyone could like her? I think that that's the other thing that's like very satisfying about Stacy X is like yeah. despite themselves in the Casey run, despite themselves, they all really like her. Yeah. They can't help this is why the Austin run is so sad to me because everyone hates Stacy X mm-hmm. in run. But in the Casey run, all of these guys think Stacey X is great. They're like she's really annoying, but also
2: right they can't help but be charged. Would charmed. die from her.
0: <laughs> yeah, because she's so funny. Like, they're just like, you know what? And, like, not only that, but she's very real. Yeah. And for Chamber, who has just come out of Gen X, where, like, talk about your teachers failing you, essentially, if you look mm-hmm. at the end of Gen X, Stacy X being someone completely outside the world of Xavier, she has not even met Professor Xavier at this point yeah. and is an X-Man. Yeah, it would make sense that that's who you turn to. That's who's a real person.
2: And there's this great kind of push and pull where, like, he chooses her because she believes him and because she is the one that you would kind of reach out to to be like, hey, I need help. And she would make it happen. But then she goes to tell Warren and Bobby about this and they just don't listen to her for the whole issue. They're like, whatever. And then finally they get uh, a call from Jean who's like, oh, I picked up where Nightcrawler is using (laughs) Cerebra. And Warren's like, okay, cool. Give me the location. And Stacy's like, and Stacey's I've like, been telling exactly you. It's exactly where I
0: told you he is. <laughs> she's like, I've been God. telling you this whole time. Stacey hasn't met Gene yet either, which I think is interesting. She doesn't understand what's going on. Like,
2: I don't know that she ever meets Gene.
0: I don't believe she does. That's what I'm saying is like she's never allowed into mm-hmm. that inner circle. Yeah. The next issue, 408, has an incredible cover. Oh Yeah. It's Stacey nude with Wolverine's 70s costume wrapped around her. And she looks really pensive, like she's contemplating. Mm-hmm. This is like one of the iconic images of Stacy X to me. It might be on the cover art. I haven't decided yet what I'm doing for the cover art. But <laughs> I love that moment. There's a couple of really big scenes. This is like a Stacy X spotlight issue. Mm-hmm. Warren confronts her and is like, so you're still turning tricks. And she's like, girl's got to make a living. So it's about money. Is that it? Stacy? you don't have to worry about that. Not anymore. And she says, spare me, fly boy. This isn't about cashing the check. We're not going to talk about responsibility now, are we? You do what you do. I do what I do. It's not like I'm not coming back. I'm still down for the cause. And this is where I think his behavior makes sense. He says, you know, I know a little something about decadence. This is a dead end, Stacy. Believe me. And she says, yeah, I saw your E! True Hollywood story. You did live up, didn't you? I'm out of here. The judgment's just a little too thick in here for me. The thing that's established here is something that I've made many jokes about in the Warren episode and the Candy Southern episode and whatnot. But it's never been made really explicit, which is that, like, if you are a hot, rich heir like Warren in New York City clubbing, you are doing a million drugs, you are having sex with lots of people you probably shouldn't have sex with. Like, We didn't see it all, but Warren definitely lived a life. And he thinks that Stacy is losing herself in the nightlife, in the world where that stuff feels so urgent and feels like it matters, but it can really hurt you. And he's trying to protect her. It's patronizing. I'm not saying he's right, Mm -hmm. but it makes sense where he's coming from because it's coming from a place of I'm a little older than you and I've been there and it's not like this lifestyle is going to hurt you in the long run. And it comes out of a place of care. So that's why I think it works, but it takes a while to get there before you understand like where he's coming from.
1: Yeah.
0: It cuts like her talking to Wolverine. She's like, Mm -hmm. I mean, can you believe that hypocrite? I used to read about him in the checkout lines. How many nightclubs did he get kicked out of? How many teen soap stars did he get before he could drive? And he's going to jump up my... And Wolverine goes, you done yet? (laughs) We can't all look like we fell out of heaven. And he goes in and finds his... Cause he's in his like new X-Men era at this point. He's in like a wife beater with his chest hair all over. He goes and finds the ridiculous yellow costume that he has thrown away at this moment in the new X-Men era. He throws it at her and he's like, I wore this when I worked for the Canadian government and I was literally their property. And when I left, I kept wearing it. I was afraid to step away from the expectation that people had put on me. This was who I was. The question is, Stacy. like, who are you? You want to play into their negative expectations of you. That's your cross to bear. If you don't want to be treated like a whore, then don't act like one. And that's a very 2001 line. But (laughs) the point he's trying to make is that, like, you are flaunting your sexuality in front of these people to shock them because you don't think you deserve to be taken seriously. And you're playing into the negative expectations that people have of you as a defense mechanism, and that's not healthy. Yeah. It's an arc that feels really daring and progressive for 2001 in hindsight is not that progressive however how many superhero sex workers do we have like ongoing i'm not saying like catwoman mia dearden like there are characters who have it as part of their backstory north star honestly but yeah it's not a
2: thing that you see and especially when it's a, a central part of who they are
0: yeah rachel pollock's character coagula
2: i would die. coagula came to mind
0: but That's it, as far as I can think of. And Coagula, I mean...
2: Has not been That's
0: a character who was daring in a million different ways. (laughs) The first trans superhero. We still have never seen her like again. Rachel Pollack is an icon.
2: But we haven't seen Coagula. We haven't seen Mia Dearden forever. Like God knows.
0: I don't even think Mia Dearden's canon anymore. I guess DC now everything's. Canon. I don't really get it.
2: But like these characters, that was all part of their like. I and not so much Coagula, but Mia Dearden specifically. Like it was tragic, tragic backstory. backstory.
0: Exactly. It wasn't like with Stacy. It's like this is what she does. Mm-hmm. And the really beautiful thing that plays out over the rest of the issue is that the client she's gone to meet with is this guy who it turns out is like he owns the 616 equivalent of like Chef Boyardee noodle Noodelooz you Your Chef JRT you own that company and he is this guy who's like clearly dying he looks like 80 years old he's on life support in a bed She says I ate Noodelooz every damn day as a kid I loved these things he said I never get tired of hearing that Oh, so you must be loaded. No wonder you go for the kinky stuff. So let's talk about the rules. You don't touch me. I'll do all the touching. Trust me, you won't mind this kind of one-sided relationship. But he stops her. It turns out he hasn't hired her for sex or for her pheromonal pleasure, whatever. He has hired her because he is a mutant like her. But his mutation has no positive benefit whatsoever first his aging is accelerated it's only in his 40s but he looks like 85 and is dying also he is completely immune to all poisons and toxins which means that painkillers do not work on him
2: yeah he has a morphine bag that is doing nothing for him
0: and he's been lying to his doctor and saying he feels much better but it's not doing anything and all he needs He's like, I know you can use your power to make the pain stop for a while. Mm -hmm. That's all I want. She is really taken aback by this. And she sits on the bed after like a moment of thinking about it and says, you know, you're lucky you're rich. And that noodle are one of the only good memories I have of being a kid. Try and relax. And then she puts him under. And what's really interesting here is that then the X-Men show up at this place like we're checking in on you stacy she's really pissed obviously she's like my business is none of yours guys a mutant that makes it our business (laughs) you know and like this whole thing but it turns out they think she's done something great
2: they have this whole conversation about the value of her compassion and how they think they're like kid you did a good one today
0: they don't know that she didn't fuck him and she acts like she did. Like, as far as they know, it was a sex work transaction, but they're all almost proud of her for, like, being the kind of person who brings joy to someone suffering like this.
2: Yeah, they sp- they they talk a lot about compassion. Meanwhile, this man is having, like as she describes a month long orgasm.
0: (laughs) Yeah. She puts him in a coma basically of pure pleasure. And like, hopefully he will die in that coma. Like this, the sense is that she's put him Mm -hmm. under the way that morphine can until such time as he goes. Bobby says, we didn't come here to point fingers, Stacy. We came to get you X-Men business. (laughs) And that I just really love. That is If X-Men business is any kind of priority for you, I know we don't pay as well. And she goes, bite me, Drake. I'm still here, aren't I? What's the agenda? And it's really just like, she's on the team now. Yeah. She's fully on the team to the point where they came and interrupted her during a sex work appointment. She was like, what the fuck? And they're like, oh, no, we don't care. Like, this is a great thing you just did. We've got X-Men business.
2: Well, they also, they specifically don't interrupt her. She opens the door to leave and they're just standing there. And they're standing there waiting for her. They're like, oh, Stacey's here, but she's got a thing. So we're going to hang out until she's ready. And then she leaves with them. And it is this cute little moment of them being like, you're on. Of course you're on. the Like, she's so ready for them to be like, I can't believe you did this. Blah, blah, blah. And they're instead they're like, oh this is awesome of you, Stacey. You ready to go? Like, is your bag packed? This is
0: great. We were actually just trying to pick you up because you're part of the team, remember? So we're just, we're going on an X-Men thing. And she's like, oh, uh, okay, cool. Then they just start bantering and she's like part of the team. Yeah, I think this character is revolutionary. I really do. Yeah, I've never seen this in a big two comic in this way before or since
2: what's key is that you know at least for a a splash of issues she she gets an ongoing narrative it's not that she's a very special character in one issue or whatever she like stacy x develops over issues she
0: has an arc like all the other characters
2: and other characters develop in relation to her specifically Mm -hmm. too it's just so cool
0: i mean i really think she and warren the chemistry between them is fantastic yeah it's very pretty woman, right? Is like kind of the vibe.
2: <laughs> Which is so disappointing with what Austin does. I know, <laughs> it's a right?
0: Uh, it's a true nightmare. <laughs> I would love for them to reconnect, actually, now on Krakoa. I think that would be fun.
2: Put her on the x Court board.
0: Put her on every board. Put her on the Quiet Council. <laughs> we'll get there.
2: Do you know how many tweets I've launched? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Give Stacey X everything she wants. The big villain ongoing in this period is the Vanisher, which is wild. This is about as evil as the Vanisher ever gets. He's like cutting women's heads off and mailing them to their cartel husbands. Like there's a lot <laughs> going on. That's in the annual, which is crazy. And yeah. it's actually wood like all the way through. And quite honestly, I couldn't tell you what happened in it because Ashley Wood's art is really beautiful. But I don't understand anything that's happening. But so there's a great bit here where... So he's dealing this drug that temporarily gives you mutant powers and then, like, burns you out and kills you. This is why I really do like Casey's Warren. Warren launches a Candy southern ask plot to destroy the rival company that's funding this stuff with, like, here's all of their dirty secrets, here's everything that they've ever done, like, mm-hmm. in a board meeting. It's, like, really great. Meanwhile, Stacy pretends to be a junkie gets access to the vanisher and then basically puts him under her spell for two weeks Mm -hmm. and just hangs out with him in his house, presumably fucking him. It's not super clear, but like he's not under, but like he doesn't realize two weeks have passed until she's just like, guess what, bitch. And he's (laughs) like, wait, what? And, like,
2: you see that he is in this, like, perfect, like, just are in a hot tub state. together. Yeah. yeah. She's she very scantily clad in the hot tub. Um, and he's in this dreamy state. And then the second after this, like, two weeks is done, Warren's plan is ready to be executed. She, like, reverses the pheromones on him. And he snaps out. And it looks horrible. He looks like he just, like, just got the worst shock of his life.
0: He looks like he's having a stroke. Yeah. And it turns out Warren has bought out the company and all this stuff, and they get rid of the drugs and and he's like manager <laughs> to Warren is like, "You sent your personal call girl <laughs> to get me like because that's something that in corporate warfare people do." is the thing like sex workers do get weaponized in this way in like wall street conflicts but stacy does this of her own volition it doesn't seem like this is something warren suggested she do it seems like this was her idea like she's very on it
2: yeah later bobby's like i think it's bobby uh says like oh i guess i had nothing to worry about you doing this like espionage mission like you could handle it the whole time and like of course she could like it's espionage
0: yeah she's good at this
2: but it very much seems like this was her role in the mission. Like, everyone agreed on this.
0: Everyone, like, she suggested, what if I get in his head and keep him busy for two weeks with my hot tits? And they were like, love that. Do it. <laughs> in the in the shot where she's, like, telling him exactly what's going to happen, it's just, like, she's in the hot tub, topless, and you just, it's just bubbles covering her nipples, and she's just like, guess what, bitch? Like, it's, very, it's just very funny. <laughs> she's a very funny character. Unfortunately, that's when Joe Casey leaves the book, and suddenly it's Chuck Austin.
2: It's a, it's a real whiplash.
0: I think now is a good time to pause for the Cerebro character file on Stacy X. I will take you through her complete publication history from Uncanny X Men three ninety nine to X Men: The Onslaught Revelation. Then we will return for more with Josh Cornillon. We will talk about the rest of Stacy's somewhat limited publication history, and then we will answer questions from listeners like you. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. X Men. X Men. Miranda Leivold, almost always referred to by the alias Stacey X, had a brief but very memorable tenure as a member of the X-Men. Created by Joe Casey and Tom Rainey, Stacy's a serpentine mutant with pheromonal power over the endocrine system, which she employs in her career as a sex worker at the X-Ranch, a mutant brothel in Nevada. Rescued by the X-Men from a vicious attack that leaves her colleagues dead, Stacey becomes a prominent member of the Uncanny X-Men field team before exiting abruptly under the next writer on the title, Chuck Austin. Stacey makes her debut in 2001's Uncanny X-Men 399, wherein Warren Worthington III, a.k.a. Angel or Archangel, the current leader of the X-Men's field team, discovers that money from his family business is being funneled without his authorization into the X-Ranch. When the X-Men go to investigate, Iceman winds up in way over his head, acting undercover as a John. Stacy is uncompromising, dangerous, and powerful, and when Warren confronts her, she displays an impressive command of the martial arts. By coincidence, at the same moment, the anti-mutant cult called the Church of Humanity attacks the X-Ranch, slaughtering clients and employees alike, and Stacy, who teams up with the X-Men to fight off the intruders, is the only survivor. She swears revenge for her fallen friends and colleagues. In the following issue, Uncanny X-Men 400, Stacey's already operating as a member of the team, apparently without asking anyone's permission. When she accidentally activates a teleportation device, she's trapped in the Church of Humanity's headquarters, and captured despite kicking the shit out of a lot of creepy church guys. Strapped into a torture device, Stacey spins an elaborate lie for the Supreme Pontiff, claiming to be a long-standing member of the X-Men, and summarizing the early adventures of the team with herself in Jean Grey's place. Refusing to give up any information on the X-Men, she's sent to a cell, where she manages to escape by overpowering a guard with her powers. Reuniting with the team, she's able to arouse Nightcrawler from a state of unconsciousness by activating his adrenaline. In the following arc, the X-Men are bemused by Banshee's new x corps project, an international mutant police force operating out of Paris. While the others have a history with Banshee and hope to reason with him, Stacey gets a bad vibe from the jump, dismissing him as a cop. She wanders off with x Corps member Radius to provide her pheromonal services for him, as his mutation has given him an impenetrable force field. When they're betrayed by some of the villains Banshee has pressed into service, Stacy's left knocked out in the woods for hours and wakes up extremely pissed. The X-Core project goes horribly wrong, obviously, and Paris is left in ruins. Check out the Mystique or Lady's Mastermind episodes for more on that. Meanwhile, Stacy's telepathically contacted by her teammate, Chamber, who was stranded after Nightcrawler overshot his teleportation. Stacy hates having someone in her head without permission, but is touched when Chamber explains she was the only person he trusted would take him seriously. In the following issue, Uncanny X-Men 408, Warren is distressed to learn Stacy is still doing sex work. He tells her she doesn't need to worry about money anymore, but she insists that isn't why she does it. After Wolverine gives her a bit of a pep talk about valuing herself no matter what other people think of her, Stacy goes to meet with a new client, Jason Tremont, the tycoon who invented Noodaloos, a canned pasta Stacy loved as a child. The man's in bad shape, a withered and emaciated figure confined to a hospice care bed, and Stacy is startled to learn he's only in his 40s. Jason is a mutant himself, but his mutation is wholly negative. He ages rapidly, and he's immune to all toxins, including painkillers. He doesn't want Stacy for sex. He's heard about her pheromonal power, and he just wants the pain to go away. Stacy, feeling deep compassion, puts Jason into a pleasurable long-term coma. She opens the door to discover the X-Men and is angry that they've come to judge her, only for them to surprise her by approving of what she's done for Jason and explaining that they just came by to pick her up for an X-Men mission. When the classic villain The Vanisher starts dealing a lethal new street drug that temporarily bestows baseline humans with mutant powers, Stacy goes undercover as an addict and seduces him. She keeps him under her spell for two weeks, long enough for Warren to stage a hostile takeover of The Vanisher's corporate investors. Then Chuck Austin takes over the book and shit gets weird. With Chambers suddenly departing the team, his spot on a rescue mission goes to his former Generation X classmate Monet Sankwa, who dismisses Stacy as not an X-man, but simply a prostitute tagging along. That doesn't stop Stacy from trying to save Monet's life when Monet is knocked out of the jet, forgetting that Monet is invulnerable. In general, she's kind of an incompetent mess here, and Warren breaks several bones, saving her in a crash. When Warren requires CPR, Stacy panics and has to have her mind overtaken by Professor Xavier. It turns out the distress call came from the juggernaut, because Black Tom Cassidy has gone crazy again. In the end, it's Stacy's power that proves essential to Black Tom's defeat as she's able to enthrall him. While thanking Warren for saving her life earlier, Stacy tries to kiss him, only to be mortified when he stops her and asks what she's doing. Back at the Xavier Mansion, Stacy begins catfighting in the infirmary with Paige Guthrie, aka Husk, accusing the teenager of lusting after Warren. Paige runs away in tears, and Warren tells Stacy off, perturbed by her cruelty. Stacy offers Warren an apology in the following issue, but the stress makes her begin shedding her snake skin, leaving her humiliated. After she recovers and her skin grows back, Nightcrawler takes Stacy back to the ruins of the X-Ranch to search for anything that can be salvaged. She surprises him with a thoughtful rumination on what the X-Ranch meant to her and to mutant girls like her. When they get back to the mansion, Stacy surprises Nightcrawler again in his room, naked and attempting to seduce him. Kurt, who was recently ordained as a priest, rejects her, leaving her humiliated once more. Five issues later, Warren discovers a videotape Stacy left behind, in which she taunts him about his attraction to Paige and jump ropes for him in the nude. Exit Stacy X. Three years later, Stacy returns in the 2006 miniseries Generation M, by Paul Jenkins and Ramon Bachs, which explores the fallout of the Decimation, in which all but about 200 mutants worldwide were depowered by the Scarlet Witch. Stacy is one of the many unfortunates to lose her powers, and we see that she's homeless and has been forced to return to street prostitution, the life she led before she found a home and community working at the X-Ranch. Desperate for money, Stacy agrees to be interviewed by journalist Sally Floyd for a series on the struggle of the decimated. This story is really unpleasant, and we will get into it in the episode in a bit, trust me. The following year, Stacy's one of several decimated mutants to be recruited to a new iteration of the super team, the New Warriors. Here her real name is given as Miranda LeVald, previously something that had only appeared in handbook entries, and she takes the codename Ripcord, employing a powered suit with whip extensions to operate as a superheroine. Stacy does not do very much in this book. It doesn't look or behave very much like Stacy X. She's unceremoniously killed off in 2008's issue 16 of 20, blown up by overzealous S.H.I.E.L.D. agents amid the Civil War struggle over superhuman registration. Three years later, Stacy's creator Joe Casey returns to Marvel for a miniseries called Vengeance, in which, without explanation, Stacy is alive and well and appears to have her mutant powers. She and pop star Sugar Cane have a threesome with the new character, the Ultimate Nullifier, but their tryst is interrupted by Magneto, who finds Stacy's wanton promiscuity unacceptable in a world where so few mutants remain. Stacy is defiant and skips out while the Nullifier battles Magneto. This is a silly miniseries. In the final issue, we see Stacy partying at a rave in Latveria, and I love that for her. Seven years after Vengeance, Leah Williams uses Stacy for a story in the 2018 Domino Annual, in which Nightcrawler and Domino lead a support group for visible mutants. When a human passing woman is confronted by the members of the group, she reveals that she's Stacy X, and that she hates herself now that she's lost her visible mutation. This ties up the continuity snarl from Vengeance somewhat, as Stacey explains that her scaly appearance in that story was due to makeup she used to make herself feel better. The other mutants comfort Stacey, understanding what she has lost. In the 2019 soft reboot, House of X and Powers of Ten by writer Jonathan Hickman, Stacey X is one of countless mutants to become a citizen of the new mutant sovereign nation on the living island Krakoa. But we don't see her until 2021's Way of X Number 3 by Cy Spurrier and Bob Quinn where it's revealed she's now the proprietress of a Krakoan establishment called The Bower, one part brothel, one part gathering place, one part orphanage for unwanted babies born on the island. After a spirited debate with Nightcrawler about the power of intimacy and casual sex, Stacey convinces him that the make-more-mutants law he invented for Krakoa is perhaps flawed. She later returns to help him defeat the psychic parasite Onslaught in the one-shot X-Men The Onslaught Revelation. With the new series Legion of X set to star Nightcrawler and his way of X companions acting as a cross between police detectives and social workers, for the first time in decades, Stacey X is in a prime position to play a major role in the X-Men franchise. Provided Kurt doesn't waste her valuable time. X-Men! X-Men! And we're back! We were talking about Chuck Austin overhauling the book really abruptly. What's interesting
2: is Stacey stays on, Chamber is written out, Instantaneously, immediately because he goes
0: over to Weapon X. Yeah, yeah.
2: They say he goes to college, but he goes to Weapon X.
0: Right, but he's going undercover to go to the Weapon X book. But Stacy hangs out.
2: Stacy hangs out.
0: They get a distress call that turns out to be from Juggernaut. They fight Black Tom Cassidy. This is when Black Tom sucks Warren's blue out, uh, which is. Before we even get
2: into the the very first issue that Chuck Austin starts, like, every issue has, like, uh, you know, little headshots. It talks about who the characters are, what their powers are. I screen are. cap
0: this. Yeah, yeah. Go for it.
2: Hers says, Stacey X, blah, 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 pheromone control, slutty yet fun.
0: Slutty yet fun. That's how they describe
2: her in the very first issue, which, one, slutty is fun, people. Right. And two... That's just how we're coming out the gate with describing Stacey X in the Austin era. No nuance.
0: This issue guest stars Monet Sanqua, Love of My Life. This is a really bad showing for her, though, because...
2: Light-skinned Monet goes, go, goes well, crazy. Also, yeah, this is
0: it's white woman Monet, which is just a very... This is the Monet we don't necessarily recognize. She's a mean white woman who just exists sometimes <laughs> in a comic. Stacy says, What's with Chamber? He can't just bolt to college with no notice, right? I mean, isn't this a job? I guess I'm not clear on what exactly we X Men are supposed to be. And Monet says, We X Men? We? There is no we here, Stacy X. There is the X Men. And then there is a mutant prostitute hitching a ride. And Wolverine says, Ooh, and I thought a nap was going to be the highlight of this trip. He likes Stacy. This is the thing. Suddenly, nobody likes Stacy. Yeah. Overnight, all of the men think Stacy is trash. Monet is like what a fucking whore. It's so abrupt. It's so off. And also Stacy is now completely incompetent.
2: Yeah, well, there's almost so I have such mixed feelings about how Austin uses Stacy because like we said before, he it, it seems almost accidental that he does some of her most interesting work.
0: Yes. And
2: he makes her say and do some of the most like revealing things about her. And and there's almost this realism to how suddenly everybody's perception of her changes when they return to the X-Mansion.
0: Yeah, they're all back now at the X-Mansion and suddenly she doesn't fit.
2: The Casey stuff was super kind of pulled away from the X-Mansion. It was the field team.
0: They were in Europe for most of it.
2: Yeah, exactly. And then once they get back, it's almost like you have that friend... That you make at, like, camp or something. And, like, the experience feels so singular and so interesting. And then you get back to, like, your real life, your real friends. And you're suddenly like, oh, a camp friend doesn't really fit in. We had this great experience, but... I don't quite know how they fit in my life. And then your camp friend decides to fucking wild out at every person who walks by her face. Right. And you can't defend her anymore.
0: Like he carries through that element where she's the POV character going like, what the fuck is all of this? But he does it in a way where now she's like really hysterical and screaming all the time and can't do anything. Whereas previously she was just kind of sardonic, like here we are, I guess. Right. But here, like the big thing is Warren gets knocked out. He's like technically dead. She needs to do CPR, but she doesn't know how, which I don't believe, by the way. Like mm-hmm. she's like a sex worker with a black belt; she knows how to do CPR. Yeah. Regardless, she doesn't know how to do CPR. Xavier, and this is the first time they've ever interacted, as mm-hmm. far as I can recall, pops into her head, which we know she hates, and uses her body to do the CPR on Warren, and they all just kind of like mock her the whole time. Like it's very yeah it's
2: weird. And they're, like, they're talking about how to, like, calm her down because she's hysterical and, like, what Professor X should do. And she, she eventually saves the day. She's the one who, like, calms Black Tom. That's the
0: thing is, like, she's the one. They're able to defeat Black Tom because she uses her power. But it's Kurt who has to say to her, "Stacy, you should use your power to do this thing. And she's like, okay, cool, I'll do it. She used to just use her powers in inventive ways without mm-hmm. needing to be told by a man what to do.
2: I think Austin's run actually, like, loses the POV. If anything, Annie Gazakanian is the POV character. Annie Gazakanian
0: is now the POV character, which is unfortunate for everybody.
2: And so Stacey, like, is no longer relatable to the viewer or to the other X-Men. Like, she is so othered so quickly. And And there is a part of that that is, like, realistic. Like, if she... The character of Stacey X, as we've described her so far, is, like, not somebody who plays well with the quote-unquote X-Men, but she's played well with the team she's had so far. But suddenly she's meeting, like, a much more traditional view of Xavier's dream and the X-Men and whatever, and, like, she's not going to fit in. But it's just Austin does her dirty.
0: <laughs> <sighs> it's just really unfortunate. There's so much great groundwork with this character. And, again, like, her relationship with Warren is really interesting. Even here... He saves her life. His bones get broken in the process. He gets the blue sucked out of him by Black Tom, so he looks like classic born now. And their faces are really close together, and she's, like, holding him up. And then suddenly she leans in to kiss him, and he says, what are you doing? And she says, nothing, and backs off. And that is sort of the turning point, because then we get the issue where Paige informs Any Gazekanian that mutants can't get AIDS. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and what what a thing to be a throwaway line
0: <laughs> like oh you stupid idiot nurse mutants can't get hiv like how do you get through nursing school without knowing that <laughs> if it's true i think it clearly is not true and Paige is just an idiot but like Paige shouldn't be an idiot Paige is historically a smart character it doesn't super it's like did some guy tell you this page
2: <laughs> distressing
0: it's distressing but so Stacy is yelling at Annie Gazakanian to come help Warren because his bones are broken and whatnot. Paige goes, hey, Warren, you're not blue anymore. So people keep telling me. She looks at Paige, who's in like a tank top and goes, what? You never heard of a bra? <laughs> and they get into this whole fight. It's insane. And the men are all like, ooh, this is fun. Like, which is like, again, like they love a cat fight. It's so weird. And. I don't even want to read this dialogue, but the point is <laughs> Stacy starts like aggressively slut-shaming Paige because she's in a skimpy outfit, which is demented given what Stacy wears and what Stacy does and who Stacy is, and Paige even says she goes, "You're one to talk with your Fredericks of Hollywood ravish me please underwear suit." And Stacey says, is that supposed to be an insult? Because it ain't. I like Fredericks. Fredericks is class. <laughs> <laughs> which is a, great, which uh... is a great line. It's just like a very weird little, it, it, this is bizarre. What's your problem, lady? I came in here concerned for a friend. You came in here for love, princess. I know arousal and I see pheromones all right. And Wings here has you fogging the room with love like some Thanksgiving horny a plenty.
2: <laughs> it's just bonkers.
0: Chuck Austin dialogue is insane. Chuck Austin's comics are insane. Paige starts crying and leaves. And Stacy goes, yeah, take that, Baywatch.
2: She looks so smug. <laughs> she looks so proud of what she's done. I know.
0: And Warren says, that was uncalled for. And she says, ah, she's a kid. A little life lesson's good for her. And Warren says, life lesson? And what life lesson is that, Stacy? The jealous people are cruel. If you'll excuse me, I have some bones that need to be set. You remember those, don't you? They're the bones I broke protecting you so you could come back here and teach life lessons. Like this, I just, I hate this. And this is when Stacy does deliver a truly iconic line, which is, what? You think I want to hang around this place? It smells like dead people and disinfected in here. <laughs> think I'll go watch porn in my room if anyone's interested. Porn is in block caps. And she slams the door. And they're all just like, oh, Stacy X, what a fucking weirdo. She's so crazy. They all hate Stacy X.
2: Yeah, it's just. Again, I grapple with like, like Austin wastes no time. Literally, pages into his first issue with having Stacy argue with every woman possible. Like the whole thing is like there are good women, and then there's Stacy who is a prostitute and she's slutty and.
0: But what's weird is that, like, Stacy here, like, especially given that the issue before Monet slut shames Stacy and is clearly presented as wrong. Yeah. But in this issue, Stacy is the one who's like, you're a fucking whore, Paige Guthrie. It's bizarre. Right. And I can see the
2: the version of Stacy that is suddenly in this new environment where she feels that the entire time her character has been kind of like not insecure in these situations that are like much more wholesome than she believes that she is but she she does feel a little bit like she doesn't belong in some of these situations. So I imagine being at the X Mansion is like the ultimate version of that. She doesn't she's already insecure about her place as an X man. But now to be among all of these like prim and proper kind of versions of what this team has looked like in the past, I imagine she feels kind of insecure so she might lash out at someone especially somebody who's throwing like a lot of lust at the person that she also kind of feels feelings for
0: right and this is where austin as you note, know, does really interesting work with her in this the next right. issue where northstar joins the team is this yeah. sequence where uh, go to the northstar episode but this boy tragically dies this mutant boy who's manifesting northstar tries to save him but it doesn't work stacy like, non apologizes to Warren, but it's clear that she's apologizing and she's still pretty upset. There's a great moment where Warren's like, North Star, move away now. And, <laughs> and Jean Paul says, Don't yell at me, bird, which I think <laughs> is really funny. But um, the big thing is that, like, when they're on the Blackbird again, Warren says, I would have rather found another option too. And Stacey says, Why? Don't you trust the French guy? No, not really. He's a little unpredictable. You know you can look at me when you talk to me. I've already apologized like a hundred times for insulting Miss Universe, and I didn't do anything wrong when I tried to kiss you either. I just wanted to show you my gratitude for saving my life. And then Bobby looks at her and says, "Stacy, your ears," and there's a schluck sound effect, and Stacy's ear molts right off her head because she's shedding her skin because she's having like an anxiety attack. Because she's a snake. (laughs) She's a snake lady. And she starts literally shedding and she starts like ripping at her neck and going, don't look at me. Don't look at me and hides because she doesn't want Warren to see her molting. And like, here's the thing. Stacey's very proud of who she is. But this scene I think really works because Mm -hmm. she's just seen him making googly eyes at this 18 year old who's like perfect looking. And she's like, my ear just fell off in front of the sky. Like, I truly am, like, a disaster. Yeah. And she, she <laughs> just
2: feels so, like, she has made herself vulnerable by joining the X-Men in a way that, like, all of her power and all of her kind of ferocity has been built to be, like, just this absolute person who can take care of themselves. And over the course of the Casey run, like, she has had to, she's willingly become vulnerable to become part of this group, become part of this family, really. And she just lost everyone who was, like, really close to her. Right. And then all of a sudden, they're all just kind of, like, back in the mix and looking at her like she's crazy. And, of course, she's going to suddenly have, like, the worst stress of her life because... Everything she thought was just about to be, like, her really nice new foundation is like, oh, that's right. You guys had a full history without me. I'm the weird one again. And she's lived her whole life being the weird one until she could get to a point feeling proud of it. Then all of a sudden, she's that, like, fish out of water again. And it's so good. Like you said, like, it just, it makes total sense that she, like, she experiences this, like physical response to stress, or even maybe this is just something that happens to her. She just sh- sheds her skin like a snake. But like, of course she doesn't want people to look at her. It's, it looks crazy. It's scary. It looks super crazy. Her ear just fell off.
0: This is where the book suddenly is taken over by Kia Asamiya, the mangaka mm. of Silent Mobius, which is a great weird manga of the nineties and aughts that I read when I was way too young. Cause it's pretty explicit. I actually really like these issues. It's a very weird style for an X-Men comic. Especially at the time, it felt super crazy. It's very
2: distinct, and, and to the point that uh, recently the like Marvel 1000 issue where they like highlighted years of Marvel history. Yeah. There was specifically the page was just about the artist joining Uncanny X-Men for this year. They were like, it was it's a landmark for Marvel. It was to... a
0: crazy year. Yeah. And when I say I like these issues, to be clear, I mean like I like the art. I The, yeah. the writing in these issues is is not good because this is dominant species that we're gearing up for which is <laughs> extremely bad. But there's a good moment here where Stacey is all wrapped in bandages in the infirmary with Annie Gazakanian. She says, So that's Sykes' brother in the bed? Because Havoc's here now. God help him. <laughs> Syke? You mean Scott? Cyclops? Yes, that's his brother, Alex. Didn't you know? I don't know anything, Annie. Cyclops hasn't said more than two words to me since I've been here. Of course, I haven't been around much longer than you, really. I didn't know that, Stacy. Yeah, I know. It's hard to believe, but I haven't always been an ass-kicking X-Man. And the lettering shows that she's yelling this. She's screaming. She's screaming because Scott's in earshot. It's very funny. Annie says, well, you'll be out kicking butt soon enough because your skin is growing back nicely. And Stacy says, well, that's interesting because they haven't even had skin since I was 16. I've had scales. I learn more about you by the minute, don't I? Scales, really? And Stacy says, yeah, I got breasts and scales all within a week of one another. Kept my stepfather. And she trails off. And Annie Gazakanian, who is just not that bright, I guess, <laughs> says, kept your stepfather what it's like come on chuck like you 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 got it you got you didn't right. need to like <laughs> the page from here on out is deranged so she goes <laughs> nothing never mind and Knight Clarkson goes stacy you ready to go i got an x-plane with your name on it, ready to go back home to the x-ranch great let's hit it Kurt. stacy i wouldn't recommend anything too strenuous your skin is still nothing strenuous just going back to my old brothel You know I used to be a prostitute, right? Noah, I don't think you mentioned that either. Well, I was a good one. The first X-Man ever to earn her living on her back, she shouts again to Cyclops, who is strenuously ignoring her.
2: (laughs) Until this moment.
0: (laughs) And he goes, Stacey, this is the infirmary. Keep your voice down. If you have a pressing need to perform the Tough Girl show, do it outside. And here's the thing. Nightcrawler then goes, "You got in trouble." And she goes, "Shut up, Fuzzy." And that's just like again, Kurt would never. It's so. The Chuck Austin runs crazy. It just it's
2: like Kurt would defend her for a second there. Kurt
0: would defend her,
2: or Kurt would be like, "Hey, like we don't need to shout in here. Like we know what your job is or was, and and we want you know you to be part of the family." But instead, it it, it all. It immediately reverts back to the hierarchy of established X-Men dominance, and Stacey is the lowest on the totem pole, and nobody's backing her up.
0: No. No one.
2: Warren could have had some sympathy for her when she blew up on Paige, but instead he turns on her instantly. Nightcrawler could have some sympathy for her here Turns on her instantly like
0: Wolverine just starts joking With Juggernaut yeah. about the cat fight Like insta- this is someone Who he gave like really soul searching Advice showed mm-hmm. the costume That Department H addressed him in Like yeah he It, it just it doesn't make any sense
2: Just nobody is backing up Stacy here It feels both realistic And it's like <laughs> Where Chuck Austin got rid of Chamber so quickly, he like he really he takes his
0: time. He takes his time, really humiliating Stacy before he gets rid of her, and that's what I find really disappointing. For all
2: of the like great inclusive kind of family vibes that that she had gotten in the Casey run, she's just ostracized here
0: completely. The nice thing is that Kurt does take her to the ruins of the X Ranch. Mm -hmm. He says, so Stacy, find anything for keeping a few things. I found a picture of me and some of the girls. It's a little burnt, but not bad. And she's holding up like a half burned photograph. This is again, like this scene's so good. How is it? Like how I I, Chuck, if you're listening, (laughs) doors always open. Annie Gazicanian featuring Chuck Austin. I know I always say this, but like, I need to understand what you're like. I need to understand the approach to this character because this monologue is great. She's looking at the picture and it's Madame Dracha and Stacy, and then the fat woman who died in 399 is sitting on the couch.
2: In the first issue, she was named Bet. She says, My name is Bet. And then she's given another name here.
0: Here she's given another name. Stacy says, Fat Nancy. That's what she called herself. We never called her that though. We loved her too much. She was so happy to be there, so happy to be sexy, that men would want her, that they'd come back to be with her. We were all just girls, you know, underneath it all, little girls playing dress up, being sexy, trailer trash, living in a mansion. Kurt says, I'm sorry. And Stacy says, the ranch was like heaven for us, Kurt. We had friends, we had company. We talked about boys and watched romantic movies and had pillow fights. Pillow fights? Oh yeah, sometimes. Late at night, we'd all be lounging around naked and, ah, why don't you tell me what else you found? and She looks in her purse, and she says, all right, but it's nothing that'll get you going like those pillow fights, just a few scraps, photos, a bunch of things that don't mean much to anyone but me. And you see that one of them is a VHS tape that says, Room 3, Stacy, March 23rd, 9 p.m. to 2 a.m., security backup. So basically, she's gone and gotten all of the security camera tapes that show her doing sex. Like She doesn't want videotapes of her sex work to be something that anti-mutant people might find in the ruins of this. It's a reclamation of her dignity after what was done in 399, but also, as we said, a moment of pretty profound dignity for Fat Nancy.
2: Mm -hmm. It's bonkers that we get what is perhaps the most interesting and powerful kind of two pages of Stacy X's career. Like one issue before Chuck Austin is about to fucking zoot her out.
0: Yeah, in like a really embarrassing way, right after he's had them all violently rejected. Like this scene feels like it's written by Casey. Yeah. That's what's so confusing. And it like the fact that Chuck Austin
2: is even devoting this much kind of page space
0: to a character he's about to get rid of. It's so odd. He
2: clearly doesn't like respect or have like a very strong kind of vision for. It it doesn't fit into the many storylines he's juggling at the moment. And yet he gives her this like very, this kind of quiet moment Of just, like, reflecting. It's
0: an audition monologue.
2: Yeah, it truly.
0: And it's good.
2: And it it circumvents that idea of, like, you know, I have this tragic backstory. She talks about just, like, how proud she was, just how happy she was
0: there. And that they were all women who had felt ugly, whether it was because they were fat or because they were mutants or whatever. And they had found sisterhood with each other and that they enjoyed the fact that there was a base of clientele that thought they were sexy and they were having a good time with each other. And they were people who had come off the streets and had found a life that they built for themselves. It is crazy that this is within everything else that we're relating about Austin Street and Stacey X.
2: When she's looking at the the pile of things that she's kind of reclaimed, she says a bunch of things that don't mean much to anyone but me. And you see the videotapes and you see a pen and a little pendant of a cat.
0: Yeah, like a little keychain. It's like things that the girls, things that didn't necessarily belong to her. It's like their keepsakes. Right. That's probably Nancy's keychain or whatever and she's decided to keep it because these girls right. are dead.
2: And like and you're right they don't they don't mean anything to us but in a in just a panel we can imagine like the fucking life that she had there
0: her whole life
2: it's devastating and it's quiet and it's beautiful and it's sensitive and it's like what are you doing Chuck Austin
0: right what is this what are you doing then there's the really bizarre scene where Stacy and this is a very Kia Asumiya, like, splash page, where Stacy, who now doesn't have scales, I guess she shed her skin, maybe? I don't know. She is naked and climbs on top of Kurt in his bedroom. He's like, but Stacy, I'm a priest. And she goes, Chuck Austin can't help himself. She goes, mm-hmm. I'm not the kind who likes little boys, thank God.
2: Which is the second reference to someone, a, a gay person liking gay little boys. To gay
0: pederasty,
2: yeah. Because it comes up in the North Star issue, too.
0: But at least there, it's North Star saying, like, I I, I did say in the North Star episode, like, that was a real thing about teachers at that time. Like, the meme of, like, predatory. Like, he's mocking the idea. It's, It's, like... There's also the bit though where the kid is like, "I'm not gay," and he's like, "You're a little young for me." I like. Right, he's like, "I trust. like men with."
2: I, I honestly think it's it's well done in the the North It's Star well done issue. there. Here, it's like, it's why just, are we? We're getting playing that beat very quickly. Repeated. Tone again, <laughs>
0: yeah. And then she says, "Or did you forget? I can read your pheromones." What, Kurt? What's wrong? What? Don't don't leave. He's leaving. I'm not using my powers <laughs> on you. This is real. We both want it. And he leaves. And then she's in a fetal position naked on the bed and she says, damn it, why do I always screw up everything good in my life? And um, that's the last we ever see her <laughs> in the X-Men. Except that several issues later we're in White Plains, which it's very funny because this does not look like White Plains. I know White Plains very well. But we're in White Plains and Jean-Paul says, what happened to the other X-Men, Weddington? You said Nightcrawler and the trampy ex-prostitute would be joining us. And Warren says, does anyone ever just call her Stacy? And it's like, you've already gotten rid of, like Right. <laughs> this is, is this commentary? Because like, no, they don't and that's a problem, right?
2: And you haven't done anything to stop that in many previous instances of this, like you were on the plane when Monet called her a prostitute. You didn't say shit, Warren. Like, and now you're so sad.
0: Kurt was like, Monet don't say that, you know. Like, but Warren doesn't do shit. So then Warren comes in to see Stacy for some reason, and he goes, "Stacy, Stacy, it's me, Warren." The door was open, and there's a sign on the TV that says it's like a post-it. It says, "Warren Worthington the Third, turn me on." He turns it on. And it's a video of Stacy who says, Hiya, Angel Baby. You remember your old buddy, Stacy. By now, you figured out that I could see not only Paige's lust for you, but yours for her as well, that day in the infirmary. And no way was I sticking around for those fireworks. Then we see that she is naked. She's holding pieces of paper over her boobs and her vag that say censored and M for mature. And she says, But that doesn't mean I wasn't going to show you what you missed. You ready? On the count of three, one two, three. And we don't see what three is, but he goes, whoa. (laughs) And then we cut to her. She's naked, but sort of her nipples are like vaguely covered by her arm. And she goes, you wanted me. We both know it. You were throwing off enough lust pheromones to fill a room. But I guess you prefer the blonde, wholesome type, the kind you can take home to mother. Your loss just picture this the next time you're holding hands and wishing for more with naive little pagey-poo. And then Paige walks in and goes, Warren, what the hell are you watching? <laughs> and he goes, Paige? And Stacy, who is on all fours, we can't really see her because she's like far away, goes, oh, look, I found a jump rope. <laughs> That's really good. Like, this is the thing. This scene sucks, but it also is iconic behavior from one Stacey X.
2: It, yeah, it's...
0: And, like, she's not...
2: She hasn't been in the book for, like, five issues at this point. Yeah,
0: she's just been gone. And I reread these, and, like, literally, she's just gone. She's not in the table of contents anymore. Yeah. There's no explanation. And then this happens.
2: It's mind-blowingly iconic. Like few X characters have a have a scene this devastatingly iconic to their name.
0: He's like watching her jump rope on the VHS, which we can't see, and he goes, "She, she, she, she left Paige. She's gone. Stacy's gone. Yeah, whatever war in your life before you met me is oh, never mind." And then we hear just from off screen, "Ladybug, ladybug, turn around," like she's doing jump rope stuff. I just wanted to tell you there's something bad happening downstairs with Alpha Flight and the students. I thought you should know. Ladybug, Ladybug, touch the ground. He, like, confesses his love to Paige in this scene, which is bonkers. And then Chamber walks in on them. Yeah. He's upset, and Paige runs after him. And we cut back to the video. And Stacey says... Well, enough of that hot and sweaty stuff. It's time for our broadcasting day to come to an end. So save this tape for when you're spending your nights alone or after you've had a mind-numbingly boring romp with Pagey Poo. Because that's the last you or anyone else will ever see of me, bucko. And Warren rips the tape out of the VHS and says, Thank God. And I'm sorry, that sucks.
2: Yeah, it is... It is a rude little end. Beyond how fucking stun it is for her to record herself jump roping naked the video
0: is hilarious but the thing is like it doesn't feel like we're supposed to be on stacy's side which i absolutely am
2: yeah and for warren to declare his like love for Paige as this is playing like the as whole- the
0: video is playing in the background of the scene like this is the thing chuck austin is this supposed to be like a total farce that This scene, I think, is supposed to be funny. But if we're actually supposed to believe in Warren and Paige, why does the love confession happen within this
2: scene? Yeah. And, like, at any point, Warren could hit stop and whatever. Like, Stacey X is just not treated with any respect.
0: <laughs> no, none. Never.
2: It's fucked up.
0: By anyone but Joe Casey, honestly. Yeah. Because then, that's 2003. Mm-hmm. Three years later, after the decimation, she appears in a miniseries called Generation M. This is written by Paul Jenkins. Generation M is a weird miniseries. It's about this really unlikable journalist named Sally Floyd, who is interviewing decimated mutants and trying to uncover a serial killer who's targeting decimated mutants. You don't have to worry about it particularly, but... The second issue features Stacy. Um, I'm just gonna, uh, this, this issue offended me at the time. And I think it has only aged worse in the intervening <laughs> 16 years. But even at the time I was really irked by it. So I'm gonna read it because I think it's important to, to like emphasize how this character has been treated Mm -hmm. historically. But um, just as a warning, this is a violently transphobic bit of text. It's an article that Sally Floyd wrote from her series, The X-Mutant Diaries. And it's done up like a newspaper article in the comic. And it says, Back on the streets, No One Said It Would Be Easy by Sally Floyd. And we see Stacey X sitting on a stoop looking miserable. No one said it would be easy, is the deck. And then it says, Then again, No one said it would be this hard. Like, mocking her with a Coldplay lyric right out the Shh. gate, which is odd. Like so many of the desperate and destitute women who prowl the red light district between 9th Avenue and 42nd Street, Stacey X knows her best days are behind her. Standing between an overweight mother of three and a husky pre-op calling him slash herself Isis, Stacy is agitated. Her eyes constantly dart to the edge of the curb as she looks for a stray convention goer or some guy out to cheat on his wife. She'll need to eat tonight. And if opportunity knocks, our conversation will come to an abrupt end. Unlike many of the older working girls in this part of the strip, it wasn't Stacy's looks that faded. It was her mutant power. Everything she had, gone in a flash. See Stacy, page seven, like to continue the article. Then we cut to the actual interview. Stacey is looking real rough. And she says, I was thinking maybe I could earn enough to get out of here. Maybe go back to Nevada and work at the ranch. I think they opened up a new one after the other one got burned down. Hell, maybe it's closed down again. There's no freaks left to run the joint. I don't know. What's worse, Miss Floyd? When someone takes away your power or when someone takes away your hope? Me and the other girls try to stick together, watch each other's backs and stuff. There's a lot of nasty people out there. I had some guy took all of my money in the back of a car the other night. Next one, he tries it because a knife in the eye. So why did you come back here, Stacy? Because as messed up as this place is, I know it. I worked out here before the X Ranch. Now I don't know my powers. It's the closest thing I got to a home that's the thing see the big question is who has the power the girl or the client you asked me before i but always said the girl i had these mutant pheromones you could wrap any idiot around my finger and empty his wallet in 10 seconds flat when i went to be with the x-men i found a new way to use my powers to me it was a whole new lease on life i may have been horny for good instead of evil but you know what that really means just a whore and a different rapper miss floyd a whore and a different rapper A lot of people are giving us ex-mutants a hard time. They make up reasons to hate us because they never did understand about what we were. Only clients I get these days are the real pervs, the ones with mutant fetishes. I don't got the pheromones to bring them over the edge. When you get older in this game, you get desperate because this is your livelihood and your face and your body going south. The lowest form of life is to be a hooker that no one wants. That's me in a nutshell. I lost what I had going for me. All I got is a skin condition. I want to thank you so much for this, Stacy. I wish you the best of luck. If you want a copy of the article, just call the alternative. I still get paid, right? Sure. Here. Thanks. Uh, you want some company tonight, maybe? Sally Floyd walks away from her without responding, and the narration says, like I want a hole in my head.
2: It's fucked up.
0: It's a good monologue. Like, it's, well, it's a well-written monologue. It is a real betrayal of this character to have her say these things. Mm-hmm. It is so dehuman. Like, to do this to her. I mean, everything that I was saying about how, like, this is someone who the X-Men disregarded and what Casey is doing is showing us that that's wrong. Mm-hmm. this suggests that they're, like, right to ignore her. You know what I mean? Like, because she's so unimportant, she got decimated. Unlike all the important characters, this is what's so fucked up about the decimation, is that it's characters like this, the people of Mutant Town, the Morlocks, those are the people who lose their powers because they're not important enough, valuable enough IP to be one of the 198. Yeah. And it's,
2: it's, it's such a,
0: a... It's such a nasty, nasty note to leave this character on. Yeah, and,
2: like, you can't stress enough that the visuals of this are so tough. Like, this whole scene is set in the rain. Like, Stacy looks... Deeply unattractive.
0: Stacey looks like she is on smack and is gonna die soon. It's like it's very tropey.
2: Gone is her beautiful, like orange skin, and instead she's like super pale and gross looking.
0: Just the scale patterns still on her skin. Like she says she still has like a scaly skin condition or whatever, but like she doesn't have her powers. But like even in the flashback to her using her powers with a client, she doesn't look appealing. Yeah. She's done as sort of a grotesque.
2: It just doesn't feel like it gives this character any respect. And it doesn't feel like Stacy has any respect for the time she had on the X-Men.
0: Or like, I'm sorry, this is (sighs) a lot of the behavior immediately after the decimation doesn't make a ton of sense because we have to decide, okay, the characters that got decimated don't matter to the story. But are you Mm -hmm. telling me are you telling me that Warren Worthington III and Kurt Wagner and Logan and all of these people, Bobby Drake, everybody who she knows who did not get decimated would not help her if she need, like is she you know, she's not too proud to ask for help because she's giving this interview to Sally Floyd. So she's really desperate. Yeah. But it's just porn. It's poverty porn. It's trauma porn. Yeah. It's horrophobic. Like everything about this it's shaming her. It's saying, you always were just a dirty whore, Stacey Axe. Like, it really leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Then there's the really transphobic comment that is mm-hmm. completely unrelated to anything else. Suggesting, like, Stacy is a wretched, disgusting hooker. Look who she's out walking the streets with. Right. One of them's pregnant and one of them's trans. Like, And listen, changes in attitudes about trans people are very recent. But this is 2006. This is not Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Like, it's a decade after that. Even at the time, 2006, I'm 18 years old. I knew this was offensive. I know a lot of trans women readers, friends of mine who have identified with Stacy X and actually have said that they would love to see Stacey X as a trans character because they relate to her experience of being a visible minority doing survival sex work. Now, this conversation always leads to, but obviously she can't be the first or the only or whatever, but... There's something particularly unpleasant about just dropping a transphobic joke Uh into this story about the fall and agony of a character that a lot of financially marginalized trans women and circumstantially marginalized trans women saw themselves in. Coagula, like we said, like the first trans superhero and Rachel Pollack made her a sex worker. And notably, that's why the Justice League rejects her in the story. She says, like, they couldn't handle me, you know, Mm -hmm. like I was too much for them. The X-Men don't reject Stacey X until Chuck Austin makes them do it. Yeah. And then this is like really the last nail in the coffin. Because after this, a year later, she becomes a regular cast member in New Warriors Volume 4. I read every appearance of Stacey X for this episode but i gotta be honest i only got about seven issues into this book because it is awful
2: it is and and like always we preface that nobody sets out to make a bad comic
0: no but they made one like i'm sorry like i mean i don't know what the circumstances were this comic's bad
2: it's a numbing comic to read in that it like it's not saying anything
0: we just talked about chuck austin for like an hour there are bad comics that I can find something interesting. There is nothing of interest in this comic. It is mind-numbing.
2: Yeah, it's, it's... Every choice made is the wrong choice in this comic. Half these choices don't... They don't mean anything. It's just... It's insane that this exists. For 20 issues.
0: For 20 issues! 15 of which Stacy X appears in. Here she's identified as Miranda Levald. I used to call myself Stacy X. And she's using the codename Ripcord because this book is about a bunch of decimated mutants becoming a new version of the New Warriors under the leadership of Night Thrasher 2. I fucking forget. Like, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. guys. I'm not a New Warriors head, except for like <laughs> the real classic era when Silhouette was just like on her crutches beating the shit out of guys.
2: Except for the one great New Warrior Firestar.
0: We're not talking about
2: her. This is a Firestar podcast. Uh, nope. I'm no, it's not. Stan. I'm a Firestar. This Stan is not a Firestar chat.
0: pod. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> we are not doing this right now. Angelica jinx will have her day, and today is not that day. Let me tell you that.
2: Chest is for better runs.
0: Listen. If she wins the vote. I will give Jerry some time to make me give a shit before I do an episode on Firestar. But yes, you will be my first port of call because I know you love her. I love her. I am- deeply irritated that she showed up to rain on Monet's ticker tape parade.
2: Look, Monet called Stacy X a dirty prostitute. I'm not that interested. That was Chuck Austin. I'm not interested in Chuck anything Monet has to fucking say.
0: Austin, <laughs> that was Chuck Austin and it's not her fault.
2: And you know what? You know what Stacy X did right after that Monet got tossed out of the plane? Stacey X and Stacey to
0: saved her to save yeah. her,
2: even though she didn't have to because she does not have the powers to save her.
0: No, and Monet's like, what the fuck are you doing now? We're both going to die. That's actually pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> but so just saying,
2: <laughs> Monet, no hero, no hero.
0: Oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Firestar is a traitor to mutant kind. And- Maybe we should ask
2: why they've never made her feel welcome. Just an interesting thing to think about.
0: They've tried several times, and she's a smug, smug, <laughs> snooty Avenger, is what she is.
2: The true, the true testament is that New Warriors is so bad that we have nothing to do that but talk about talking about Firestar things.
0: and other characters. So this book is about Jubilee and Wind Dancer. Jubilee is now going by Wondra and using technology to do something heroic or whatever, but she's fucking horrible in this book. Like two of the new warriors here are Radian and Tattoo from the Omega Gang, who are siblings. Tattoo gets fucking killed in action in this book early on, and her brother is like... I'm really upset that my sister died. And everyone's like, get over it. Yeah. (laughs) They're they're... like, maybe
2: this will get your mind off of it.
0: Jubilee's like, sack up cord. Like we don't (laughs) have time to talk about this. It's crazy. So there are all these decimated mutants. The worst is like angel and beak are decimated and hot. Now there's even a bit where wind dancer is like, angel, you lost all the weight. She specifically been great to you. You lost lost all all the the junk junk in the trunk. trunk.
2: A nightmare, a nightmare, but also Angel Salvador at her absolute lightest in the beginning of this comic. And then they fix it towards the end.
0: She fully looks like Halle Berry. Yeah. And is like a size zero. Mm-hmm. The skin color is fixed toward the end of the book. But she's still, it's like now she's Kelly Rowland. Like it doesn't look like <laughs> Angel Salvador. <laughs> yeah, never you know does. what never I mean? And Beak, her husband, is smoking hot now.
2: Yeah, just tall and buff and generically handsome. No trace of his big nose or his scrawniness. All things that we saw after he was decimated.
0: Stacy is operating his ripcord. She has like metal whips that come out of her tech suit. She's honestly like pretty cool in the moment she gets, but she's nothing. She doesn't act like Stacy X or look like Stacy X or talk like Stacy X. Everybody in this book who isn't Jubilee or Wind Dancer is pretty extraneous. They just kind of are like a seat filler. And in issue 16, she gets unceremoniously murdered by S.H.I.E.L.D. operatives because this is when the Civil War is happening and the new warriors refuse to register. So S.H.I.E.L.D.'s cape killers literally blow her up. Yeah. And she dies.
2: She dies, and then seconds her team barely stops to think that she died, and they just they move on. on. They just keep a pushing. Her and another person die, and they just keep a pushing.
0: They also constantly call her Mira in this book, which is crazy. Like that doesn't even make sense as a nickname for Miranda because it doesn't have the same vowel.
2: No, I don't. It took me. It took me. Uh, I was like, "Who are embarrassing... they talking about?" Yeah. And
0: then I was like, "Oh, Stacy, because her name's Miranda, so they call her Mira." Why? Yeah,
2: it took me an embarrassing amount of time to try to connect those dots before being like, "Wait, Mira is Miranda?"
0: Very weird. It only starts to make sense because there's a moment where she like plays the bad guys and it is like they're like what's your name little girl or whatever because she's using she's like making an illusion or something i don't know with like a <laughs> technology or something and she's like mira miranda and i'm like oh because what that's like not a nickname yeah. for miranda it's just not anyway she's dead unceremoniously and no one fucking cares nobody cares Three years later in 2011, Joe Casey does a mini at Marvel called Vengeance. This is the book that introduces America Chavez. That's probably the most memorable aspect of it. Yeah. But it also opens with an issue where the ultimate nullifier, who's the character at the center of this mini series, you do not have to worry about him, has a threesome with Stacy X and Sugar Cane from the Casey X Men run. And Stacy seems to just have her powers back. Is a snake lady fully just like living her best life. They're in the club. There's
2: a reference to her using her pheromones.
0: Yeah, Stacy goes, "You recognize my friend? She's famous." She wants to take this <laughs> to the next level. You up for it? And they go to his place. And then we see them at the at the, at the We see them at the Regent Beverly on Wilshire Boulevard. They're in LA sugar cane goes damn girl it never gets old oh i just don't know how you do it stacy and stacy is crawling up from between Sugarcane's legs canonically queer stacy acts just an important point of order
2: well she she did offer to do sex work
0: for sally Flint, but she was pretty desperate there you yeah could, like, we this can't. is a moment where this is just her friend and she's eating her pussy like for fun right right and she goes it's a gift what about you party boy any special talents you feel like sharing and he goes Mmm, I'm holding back. Don't want to spoil the flow. This is going to be great for my career, says Sugar Cane. Sugar Cane's British. Don't worry about it. We'll get into this in the Chamber episode in two weeks. <laughs> and um, Stacy goes, hold on, sugar. Oh, hell. And then Magneto breaks through the window because Magneto has decided that Stacy X is shaming the decimated mutant race by practicing mutant prostitution. He, he,
2: he bursts through the wall and is like, Stacy, please stop being a hoe. He's
0: like, <laughs> they claim we've come so far that we've made so much progress. There are even moments I might be inclined to agree. And then I hear whispers of something like this, this sordid behavior. You should be ashamed of yourself.
2: She's she's truly just hooking up.
0: She's literally just like Sugar King goes. Oh my God! Is that? It's not one of your bodyguards. That's for sure. Mind your own business, old man. Your behavior is my business, Ms. X. You are neglecting your responsibilities. So then it becomes a whole fight between Magneto and the Ultimate Nullifier. Magneto eventually says there are so few of us now we cannot afford such vulgar displays of promiscuity they are counterproductive to our ultimate aims if indeed you are who you purport to be and Stacy says don't believe everything you read old man which is Joe Casey saying yes I read Generation M I don't <laughs> give a shit fuck you Paul Jenkins fuck you everybody who didn't pick her for the 198 Stacy's fine. <laughs> You're not here to recruit another round of evil mutants, are you? Because despite my reputation, I tend to side with the angels.
2: Which is iconic of her. Or the
0: rich and famous, which is a great line because Warren, of course, is both. But she's just like, fuck you, Magneto. I don't give a shit.
2: She's like, I don't know if you've heard. I'm a hero or a star fucker (laughs) one of two
0: i'm either doing x-men stuff or i'm fucking famous people so back off my guy anyway the ultimate nullifier is like later stacy and she like runs out the back (laughs) (laughs) he's he's like thanks for the
2: pheromone boost and she just goes thanks for the pheromone
0: boost and she runs away as far as joking is concerned no stacy has her powers fuck you (laughs) <laughs> she then appears in the final issue of vengeance in a non-speaking cameo this is not in her complete marvel reading order travis starnes if you're listening in vengeance six she pops up in latveria at doomstadt where she's just like at a rave in latveria because why not because she's iconic and joe loves her and i love that for him Seven years later, Leah Williams throws her into a story in the Domino Annual in 2018. Leah has talked about really loving this character. I think that she sees in her what you and I saw in her uh-huh. in the Joe Casey characterization. Here, she attends a support group for visible mutants that is led by Nightcrawler and Domino. Kylun is here, and I love Kylun, Alan Davis Excalibur character, uh-huh. Fuzzy King. He has a great bit about how he just wants everyone to stop showing him the fan art of him and Beast having sex. <laughs> Much like Stacy, Kylon had not appeared for years, so I appreciated Leah bringing him back for a minute.
2: There's a good maggot moment here, too. Yeah,
0: it's Maggot, Beak, who apparently is back to looking like Beak, Marrow, Dupe, Thumbelina, Eyeboy, Bling, Toad, and Briquette, and Stacy, who. Looks totally human, but I mean, we don't know it's Stacy at first. It's just this woman who has Stacy's haircut, if you remember Stacy, who is sitting in a black dress next to Briquette. Briquette says, "Since it's supposed to be a safe space and all, what's the dime doing here?" The email said this was supposed to be a place where I'd feel safe to express myself without worrying about normal folks judging my looks. Toad says, "Yeah, she doesn't deserve to be here." And Stacy goes, "I'll tell you why I'm here." And she stands up and she says. You don't recognize me anymore, but I'm Stacey X, or I was. Do you know that lust has a taste? Like licorice when I had my powers. The whole world tasted sweet. I was connected to all life on earth in a way none of you can understand. But now it's like I'm fumbling in the dark. I can't find the light switch. And I tried at first, you know, tried being ripcord, And then I tried makeup, tried painting through fishnets just to make it look like I had my scales back. But that washes off. I loved the way I looked before, so much. I've never felt more alone than now that I look like everybody else. On top of that, I can't taste the world around me, can't feel it, everything that made me special was ripped away, I'm nothing now, no one. I came because I am hanging by a thread here. I am looking for anything to make me feel like I have an option other than just giving up and checking out, but if you wanna kick me out because I look normal to you, then fine, fuck you. And Domino says, no one's going to make you leave. If anyone tries, I'll kick them out. Because Domino's arrived late to the meeting. And we see that as they're all doing their affirmations of, when I look to humans to dictate who I should be or how I should look, I reject who I am. I deserve to be alive. I look exactly the way I'm supposed to. They're doing like AA style affirmations. Briquette puts her arm around Stacy and like pulls her in. And they have sort of like a hug moment. It's very cute. That's a really lovely little story. I like it. Mm-hmm. It threads the continuity snarl of like joe casey just deciding stacy was going to be back and yeah. better than ever doesn't explain how ripcord survived but guess what who cares
1: who cares no one
0: cares about new warriors volume four that book was bad but that is the last appearance of stacy until way of x number three what did you think about this issue for stace i
2: appreciate the role that she's kind of getting in the in Krakoa.
0: i was sad we didn't get to see her crucible that would
2: yeah, that would have been really interesting.
0: Cause she's got her powers back in this story, and presumably she died somehow or did the crucible. And I feel like in a book about the crucible, in a lot of ways, it would have been she doesn't even talk about doing the crucible. And I'm sure right. that was like a, a cut for time, maybe, or whatever, but it feels like a missed opportunity. Maybe she'll talk about it in Legion of X if she comes back in
2: that. Yeah, I I, I find her role interesting. She very much like has a has a purpose. Um it's a little less about her as a person and more of of her and the role she's playing um she's got some fun lines the context is that kurt catches her after the hellfire gala and she's passing out condoms to the young people of krakoa and at first she's wearing this like brown robe and looks like kind of a mysterious figure handing out something that kurt doesn't realize what it is so he like catches up to her
0: bam 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 but then it's just stacy and she's like wearing a hood and she's she's got condoms there's nothing it's not drugs it's fine because he still hasn't figured out the onslaught of it all. Like that's, He's investigating right. what's going on with the youth on Krakoa. A lot of people are really pissed about this issue because Kurt gets in his Catholic feelings.
2: Stacey at one point looks at him and goes, so you're what, the sex sheriff?
0: Yeah. <laughs> which, which is, is just great. such a good line. You've been giving out contraceptives? Crawler, last night was the biggest party mutant kind ever threw. A couple hundred super-powered youngsters whose role models dress exclusively in fetish gear let out to play. You better believe I was handing out contraceptives. And Kurt is taken aback because the law that he suggested make more mutants, contraception is counterproductive to that. I don't see this as out of character in the way that a lot of people did. I think that Kurt... Here's the thing, Kurt likes sex, but I think Kurt's idea of sex is like Errol Flynn movies that were like (laughs) subject to the Hays Code. Stacy's raw, wanton sexuality is something Uh that does alarm him. And I think that people just having promiscuous sex with random people is something that does kind of alarm his sensibilities. And I don't find that to be out of character for him.
2: So she runs this place called The Bower, which is basically a spot on Krakoa for... Corny or alone or uh, interested people to hook up or talk or connect.
0: It's like a hookup place. That's a safe space where people can come to fuck.
2: They can come to come. Yeah. Or just talk. She, they, they talk about that.
0: She says, we call it the bower. It's for folks who are lonely or frustrated or sad. The ones you dramatic pose types never much notice. The ones who haven't yet figured out where they fit into paradise. Your powers, you're using your powers of seduction on these people simmer down I can't make anyone do what they don't want
2: I don't think that's true
0: (laughs) I also don't think that's true I think that that is Dakin has a similar line in X I was Factor. Say, I think that with the pheromone power characters, because there is a potentially rapey edge to these powers, there's
2: hundred percent the element of consent, and we see character like the Purple Man, uh, Wallflower's dad, for example, people who use mm, these pheromones. Mastermind, right. It's not
0: pheromones, but it's a similar vibe. So I get that with the heroic ones, they want to emphasize like I can't make you want to fuck me if you don't already want to fuck me. She can do lots of things to you that you don't want. She can make you yeah. seize up and vomit if she touches you. Like, she, right. she's able to do lots of things that aren't what you want. I understood that line to be, this character is not problematic in right. that way. <laughs> right, don't worry right, about right. it, which is fine, you know? Yeah, and that's Because I don't want to see her do that anyway in a story. You know what I mean? That's probably necessary, so like, Yeah, yeah. She says, it's just a nudge of encouragement. Some couples just talk. Some hold each other for hours. Some go at it like bunnies, then never see each other again. They all leave happier than when they arrived. And Kurt says, you've built a brothel in the Garden of Eden. And she slaps him across the fucking face. And it is enormously satisfying. (laughs) And she says, you can be a tiny-minded piece of crap sometimes, Crawler, you know that? You know how many religions got a history of temple sex? It's pretty much all of them, Kurt. Most of human history folks knew there's nothing more healing or sacred than intimacy. Sapiens forgot. I didn't. Stacy. By Kurt Wagner, I do believe you're blushing purple. How can I unite mutants if we ignore our first law? For told to multiply, not surrender to empty desire. Doesn't look empty from where I'm standing. Look, follow me. Something you gotta see. And Kurt, I'm not gonna eat you, okay? Relax. And then she takes him into another room where we see... The most, well, honestly, there's a lot of controversial things in this issue, but I would say the most <laughs> overall controversial thing in this issue is the Bower babies. She's also running an orphanage, basically, because people are taking the make more mutants, be fruitful paradise of Krakoa to heart, and sometimes that's resulting in pregnancies, and some of those people don't want the babies, and so they are leaving them behind at the Bower, where Stacy is caring for them.
2: Yeah. A I... Lot of... I don't even it... n- know that I can touch that. It's a weird storytelling decision.
0: <laughs> I love Psy Spurrier. I think Legion of X is going to be great. I thought this was maybe a step too. Like, the whole book is about complicating the Kirkoan laws and showing how they could be bad. This was maybe a can of worms that we didn't need to open. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, people are like, after Inferno implied that it's only been a couple months since Hox Pox. Right, what like, is the timeline of all of When did the babies, babies happen? But guess what? The answer to that is do not worry about it.
2: Also, mutants. Like, yeah, like why are we who so knows? concerned?
0: Maybe tempo just speeds up gestation. And, like, <laughs> everybody has, like, a one-week pregnancy. Honestly, like, that doesn't sound like the worst idea to me. What matters is that there's this recurring character throughout Way of X, Lost, who Kurt does not minister to appropriately because he's distracted. And the book, in many ways, is about him coming to understand what loss needs which is a uh, mediation with her abuser Fabian Cortez and like yada 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 don't worry about it too much but Stacy is like her name's Marinette mm-hmm. it's like no one knows this girl and Stacy does stacy's like i knew her in new orleans a few years back living on the street i know the look i've lived the look lost her powers during wandageddon constant pain scared of every damn thing traumatized that's my bet broken in ways we can't guess And Lost is comforting the babies and is tending to the babies. But now here she is, tall and perfect, with more reason than anyone to go wild and selfish in mutant paradise. And yet, this is what she wants to do. She tells them stories, got a real talent for it. That gravity thing she does that makes folks puke doesn't bother the little ones. Bones in their ears aren't formed yet. Did she ever tell you who hurt her? Nope. And I hope for her sake the subject never comes up. And that's when we find out it was Fabian and like all of this stuff happens an onslaught, yada, yada, yada. But yeah. there's an interesting bit here where it's like the Madonna whore thing, the priest and the whore, mm-hmm. Mary Magdalene thing with Stacy is definitely what Casey was doing with her and Kurt. Kurt's having his crisis of faith at the same time. The Church of Humanity is torturing her right. and crucifying her upside down and all this stuff she is like a sacred whore in that way, mythically speaking. So I think that in the book about mutant religion and philosophy, taking her in this direction made sense. I do think that the babies are problematic. We have a question about this, but you know, it's fine. That's a future story that someone can pick up. I'm sure that Slice has thoughts on that. I am glad that Stacy's taking care of those babies, I guess, if they're going to exist. You know what I mean? At the end of that issue, there's a fun bit where Stacy...
2: Pumps by the Green Lagoon.
0: Yeah, she hangs out with the gang. She says, Dazzler's so great. Girl works damn hard to keep you fools entertained. And Kurt says, so what does Krakoa need if not a reproduction? And Stacy says, connections. And gives Dr. Nemesis a little pheromone boost. Then she says, look, the sexy stuff takes care of itself. but we need are ways of softening the barriers, making mutants feel like they're all in the same story. Which, again, like is a callback to the way Casey... Mm-hmm presents her like the Morlocks as someone who the X-Men didn't allow into their story. And Pixie says, but you can't just force people together. We need secrets. We need to belong to ourselves as well as the big stuff. And Stacy says, smart girl. It's about risk. That's all these dumb powers do in the end. They make folks dare things, even though it'll hurt like hell if it goes wrong. Dr. Nemesis gets up suddenly, and they're like, Doc, what's going on? She goes, oh, I know you hero types are worrying about your big purple villain. Epic fight brewing, I expect. Well, I'll tell you this. It won't come down to how tough you are. Win or lose, it always turns on the same thing. Dr. Nemesis approaches Dazzler and asks her to dance. And Stacy says, someone dares to try something new. And that, I think, is good. It's a
2: good space to land her in. It's a good depiction of Stacy as somebody who Is clearly learned and developed separately from the X Men.
0: And it is the full turnaround from the Decimation story where, like, she's like, I'm just a whore and another rapper or whatever. Like, she's now proud to be a mutant whore. Like, fuck you. She's doing something that is valuable for her society. She's helping them build a new world where there doesn't need to be any shame in the kind of thing that she does. And that, I think, is a good rehabbing of the character. I would like to see, you know, more of her in the future rather than just acting as a counterpoint for Kurt. You know, I'd love to see more of them interacting yeah. in Legion of Acts because I think that they do have interesting things to say to each other. And I think that Psy writes her really well because mm-hmm. it feels like her.
2: My singular complaint is that she is, I understand that the brown cloak was like, Part of this initial kind of mystery and then she's kept in nothing but this brown cloak and this dowdy dress and I'm like
0: I know it doesn't look Bob Quinn's
2: a great artist and, and oh I X love looks Bob super cool I um, mean he designs characters really well but this specifically I'm like put her in something cool people
0: yeah I think she's specifically dressed here as sort of a religious pilgrim on purpose like yeah. it has that it's like very Canterbury tales mm-hmm. like, I think that that's sort of the the idea, and it's a costume she's worn for the Hellfire Gala, presumably, but Stacy acts at the Hellfire Gala should be making Fredericks of Hollywood look like a Precious Moments figurine. Truly. Truly. So hopefully next year she'll stunt on all these bitches and truly turn it out. Or this year, rather. This gala, this summer. She's then in the Onslaught Revelation very briefly. Kurt brings her in as part of his Mm -hmm. thing where he resolves things with Fabian and Lost. And that's it.
2: And that's it. That's all we've seen. Which, honestly, it's great and unexpected that we've been able to touch base with her on Krakoa. Like, there how many mutants have had kind of great storied histories and we have no idea what they're doing on Krakoa. So I'm, I'm thankful that we got not only to touch base with her, but also this, like, cool new status quo for her that could make her, like, an integral part of how that society runs.
0: I hope we've made a case for why this character is cool and why she has so much potential to be a really integral part of this franchise. And I'm glad that Leah Williams and Nassai Spurrier have gone out of it. Because otherwise, only Joe Casey ever gave a shit about this character. Mm-hmm. It's nice to see someone who isn't her creator, people who are in this office now and actually shaping mutant society going forward as it develops In a way that it hasn't since, like, the run in which she's introduced, that Morris and Casey and then Morris and Austin period, that is when Mutant Kind is developing its own culture before the decimation. And so now that we're back, it's so good to have her back and to have her back in a way that feels like it respects her. Mm -hmm. And takes her seriously as a character
2: yeah she could have very easily just fallen to be like a footnote of this one particularly quirky era of the x-men and instead we get kind of a return to form for her
0: yeah i remember a clickbait article once that was like the x-men that marvel wants you to forget and stacy x-men and then i was like well fuck you because i will never forget
2: she's so cool and the more that you like look at the text she's a character that so much refused to be what I think people want a sex worker character to be or this, like, femme fatale character to be.
0: Even just what a woman, like, in these comics is expected Mm -hmm. to be, she refuses to do that. And that's why the Austin thing is frustrating because, like, she suddenly becomes a sex object in a way that in the Casey run, while it's very Mm sex-forward, she isn't. I mean, one of my favorite things, actually, is after... The scene with Wolverine where he's like, if you don't want to be treated like a whore, then don't act like one or whatever. Like, don't see yourself as something. What he means is, like, don't treat yourself like you don't have value. You don't want people to treat you that way. And he shows her his old uniform and all of that. Then when she goes to see the Chef Boyardee guy, she puts on a trench coat that is, like, very clearly a new X-Men trench coat. Mm -hmm. Over her ridiculous Fredericks of Hollywood outfit. Like she's like, (laughs) she is on an X-Men mission to go fuck this guy. (laughs) It's really cool, honestly. Like there's some, there's so many semiotically cool things about this character. Yeah. I'd love to see her around. I'd love to see her in a regular role in a book, whether that's Legion of X or something else. I think that she has a lot to add that other characters don't, Have Even Emma, who did sex work in a similar way before she was the White Queen, Mm -hmm. it's not really a focus of the character. And the other characters, while they may slut-shame her in various ways, they don't see her. Like, she's rich. She's prominent. She has a political position of power. Like, Stacey is just carving something out for herself and trying to help other people. And there's something, a lot like Callisto, that's really inspiring about her. Mm -hmm. Like Callisto, I'd like to see her have more of an active role going forward as the franchise continues to evolve.
2: Yeah, my dreams for for Stacy would be kind of three parts. One being just a, a more active role. We see her on a team. We see more creative uses of her powers. The second and third are kind of intertwined but I want her to interact with women and not yes. in an awful way. Right. I want her to, to get along with women and I want her fellow X-Ranch people to come back.
0: Yeah, where are the X-Ranch girls on Krakoa? They should be back.
2: I want to see Madame Drache.
0: I want to see Madame Dracha. I want to see Fat Nancy. Yeah. I want Fat Nancy to be living her best life at the Green Lagoon, because I personally love Fat Nancy.
2: Yeah, can we get her, you know, making out with someone at the Green Lagoon?
0: I think now is a good time to get into the questions. Thank you all for writing in with thoughts on Stacey X. Andrew Monahan writes, Hi, Connor and Josh. Two gay hotties covering my favorite mutant sex worker for the 69th episode of my favorite podcast. If there is a God, <laughs> she's definitely queer. Uncanny X-Men 410 was the first issue that got me back into comics after a lengthy hiatus. Yes, I jumped on right at the beginning of the Austin run and somehow managed not to fall back off. And I was immediately enamored with this cool sexy snake lady and had to go back and read her introduction. I think she was truly ahead of her time, and I hate that she was written out so quickly and in such an interesting fashion. Anyway, I have two questions about Stacy. First, wasn't she originally X Stacy? Why did they change that? Does Marvel editorial just hate puns? That name makes a lot more sense than Stacy X. Ripcord, though I pretend that whole run never happened, to be honest. Her name isn't even Stacy. Stacy was just part of the pun. Stacy itself is not a code name. At best, it is an alias. Second, do you think we'll ever see our girl Miranda have more of an active role in a team ever again? Has she given up sex work for good? She was kind of shamed for it in the early aughts, but in the age when everyone and their mother seems to have an OnlyFans, would the other mutants really find it a big deal anymore? I loved her popping up in Way of X in a more spiritual or maternal role, but I'd kill to see her kick some ass again. I'm also curious as to how her powers and background might come into play with the whole make more mutants thing. I'd really love to see a woman writer like Teenie Howard or Leah Williams sink their teeth into her and show that women can be bitchy, fun, and sexual while still having depth. Sorry, that was actually more than two questions. Keep up the great work, and my DMs are open if either of you ever want to leave me a video of you jump roping naked. Best and hey. <laughs> oh, that's very sweet. Thank you, I guess. Um, <laughs> so, two things. The ecstasy thing, ecstasy is a common thing that people say, but I haven't been able to find a citation for it. It's on the
2: Wikipedia, but I I don't know. It is, but
0: there's no citation. Like, Mm -hmm. again, I've been trying to hunt for it, and I can't find it anywhere. Maybe it's an interview with Joe Casey somewhere or something, but I can't find it. So if anybody is able to find that, let me know. It does make more sense than Stacey Axe, which seems really random. I do think, again, that it makes sense for her to use an alias when she's doing sex work. Lots of sex workers do. But... Yeah, the name's odd. I think Ecstasy is a cool code name, like just the word. We wouldn't have to like 90s style X-Stacy it. If they want to give her a code name, Ecstasy is a cool code name. But she's just Stacy, man. Like she thinks code names are dumb. She makes fun of Nightcrawler for calling himself Nightcrawler the first time she meets him cuz she's just like, "Okay, cool. Like <laughs> you're a cool guy, I guess." <laughs> As for whether she'd ever be on a team, You need a writer who cares i mean we don't know yet what leah williams is doing in her next project the x office but i'd love to see stacy x pop back up there i liked how leah wrote her in that domino annual and I think Stacy could be really fun on the right team. It just depends on the vibe you're going for. I think it would need to be kind of an in-your-face, action-oriented kind of book. Mm-hmm. You need the right balance of personalities on a team. But I like how direct and forthright she is. There are a lot of characters in the X-Men who like to pontificate. And Stacy just sort of cuts through the bullshit. So there's a lot of ways you could do it. I think that, unfortunately, she is really tainted by the Chuck Austin stink to a lot of people like she is kind of a joke in x-men discourse and fandom like oh stacy x as though she's a bad character she's not a bad character chuck Austin wrote some bad stories with her in them and then wrote her out so i think she needs a steward you know she needs someone like or like leah or like whoever else to decide i give a shit about this character and put her in something you know Javier Martinez similarly asked, Hello, Connor, esteemed guest. I have a fairly straightforward question. What would it take for Stacey X to become a more prominent character in the X franchise? I think she was the most interesting thing about the Joe Casey and Chuck Austin and Kenny X-Men era of books. And it's a shame she hasn't really been used much since. Still waiting to see her face on an X-Men ballot. Love the podcast. Javier listening in San Francisco. And that's the thing is like, I would love to see her in an X-Men vote. Maybe next year, Stacey X for the (laughs) X-Men.
2: I'm making the posters already.
0: Yeah, I mean with her, you just have to overcome the meme that she's like a bad character. And I think that the way of X story actually took steps to do that, mm-hmm. because it reintroduced her as a character you should take seriously.
2: Yeah, I I feel that for her to return to prominence, like you've been saying, it takes a, a writer that is going to be invested in her. I, I wouldn't want to see her on the ballot, just because I know that, you know, people wouldn't get it. and
0: No, it honestly, honestly, actually, I don't, even if it's joking, I don't really want to see attack ads about Stacey X because I feel like they would get nasty.
2: Yeah, there's just, there's just anything negative about her is something that a writer has kind of not handled very well. And that's just, that's not her fault.
0: Yeah, well, but it's also just like, I don't want people to be like making jokes about sex workers, like to try and make jokes about Stacey X. It's like, okay, she's a fictional character. A lot of people who are not mm-hmm. fictional characters are living their life and you shouldn't say shit like that about them. You know what I mean?
2: She's also, she's a tricky character because I think she demands a lot of,
0: maybe not even a lot of
2: space, but she has a very distinct personality. And for a character that doesn't have as many appearances like her, I think that writers might get a little bit nervous but. You know, if you're thinking about who's taking up the amount of page space, it's probably going to be the bigger characters. But Stacey demands that page space. So I, I just want to see somebody who's going to, like, take good care of her. I think Teeny would be a great fit based on the work that Teeny's doing over in Catwoman.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But I can't quite imagine Stacey X in Otherworld. She's, like, already so <laughs> <laughs> perturbed by regular X-Men adventures. Can you imagine if she suddenly had to, like, be the... That's what I think would be great. Could be funny. A guest spot at least would be fun. Maybe they're more progressive. Oh, well, I mean, like, she would get on great with Roma.
2: Exactly. Just her partying with the fairies. I would love it.
0: Also, she probably knows Absalon Mercator from Mutant Town. So whenever the Mercator plot hits, she would be a good character to talk to him at some point. That's like a shoe that will drop someday and we'll all be like, ooh, but it's (laughs) definitely being held in reserve. After that, we got some questions about Stacy X's whole snake vibe. Love it. Arnold Limbery writes, Hello Cerebro, and to mon esteemed online Ami Master Josh. I'll make this quick, but you both are doing amazing things inside and around this X community. I'll continue gushing online because I'm up against the clock. On to Stacey. I hate her, or at least I did hate her when she was introduced. (laughs) To be quite honest, I thought it was weird that we, as preteen or teen readers at the time, were being pandered to with such outright sexuality. Mind, I didn't have a problem with She Lies With Angels until I got a little older. But something about Stacey X rubbed me wrong back then, and I'm venturing to guess it was my own internalized misogynistic attitudes. Spurrier brought her back in such an invitingly warm and, I think, rightfully not nostalgic way that I wanted to go back and punch the little me that bore any disdain for this woman who is just a working girl with a heart of gold. I no longer think she isn't worthy of Kurt, and now I want them to totally kiss.' My question, what's with the scales? <laughs> I, love <thinking> <laughs> I love thinking about a certain mutation specifically harken back to our primordial adaptations. And I'm assuming Stacy X with the scales and the pheromones is one big reptile brain reference. Is that an accurate assertion or is there something I'm missing? In any event, please note I'm signing off as Brett Butler because if you do read this question, I'll have truly personified the essence of grace under fire. Yours in X, Arn, <laughs> the anti-binge on Twitter because I did tell Arn you have one hour to answer yeah, the I- question <laughs> because he didn't know we were recording. I'm just going to read all three of these because they're sort of all in the same Mm -hmm. lines and then we'll sort of debate her snake nature. Jeremy Lawrence writes, hi, Connor and Josh. Why does Stacy X look like a snake? Like, like, They did that for what? The only reason I can even think of is that snakes are traditionally portrayed as manipulative, and as a character's primary power is manipulative and invasive by its very nature, it's a reference to that, which is a lot to unpack if that's the case. Or am I thinking about this too much, and the actual reason is, isn't it funny that this sex worker is all scaly? Sexy snake woman, lol. Thanks for making the podcast that reignited my passion for the X-Men and Marvel Comics in general after years of burnout, Jeremy. And then Sam Gladstone writes... First, I'm sorry you had to read New Warriors volume 4 for this episode. Thank you. Second, thank you. Second, do you think her snake-like appearance, i.e. the scales, comes with any added benefits of snake things? Can she squeeze through small holes or does she have a very mobile spine or potentially venom sacs? These are great questions. I would love to see more snaky elements to Stacey, especially now, like if she did resurrect to get her powers back, maybe uh-huh. she has like new snake power. Much like Toad took like 30 years to get a Toad tongue <laughs> when that should obviously have been part of the character the whole time. I think it would be cool if Stacy could like, you know, spit venom or something like <laughs> it would be fun. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, it's it, It's explicitly stated in her very first appearance that while she looks like a snake, she's not especially snaky. No. We did get her fucking losing her skin and shedding.
0: Her ear did shed off. So, yeah. like, there's some snaky elements. The reason why, to get to the, the previous question, Jeremy's question... I think it's a snake in the garden thing. Yeah,
2: Garden of Eden thing.
0: Yeah, she's the serpent. She's the temptress. Lilith is associated with the serpent. Sex work is associated with temptation in that way. The Scarlet Woman. There's like a lot of that sort of mythic stuff tied up in it. But... Also, I do think that it is that Bobby doesn't see her because she's in the shadows. And it's like, oh, here's a really hot sex worker. And then she steps out of the shadows and she's a snake lady. And he's like, whoa, because that's kind of scary. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the point is that, yeah, the guys who come to the X Ranch to see Stacy like that she's a little scary. That's appealing to them. Mm-hmm. They are looking to be with a mutant and have a mutant experience because they find her interesting and that is complicated right like it's like it's about minorities being fetishized but it's also about her finding a place where she feels appreciated so there's a lot of complicated stuff tied up in that that i think is interesting and that i wish was unpacked more instead of austin just being kind of like snake hooker bad apart from again that really beautiful scene she randomly gets in the blackbird but yeah I'm,
2: one, still reeling from having a question thrust at me that's just, I hated Stacey X.
0: I know, Arn, that wasn't nice. But <laughs> Tough he's to hear. He is saying that I was a teenager and I, I didn't get her. And I no. do think, what I'm hoping is that this episode will lead to a, a critical reappraisal of Stacey X in the X-Men fandom, so, you know. If
2: we don't have a bunch of little Anistas after this, I'm still trying to figure out what the Stan name is.
0: Her Stan Twitter <laughs> name? Stacy...
2: Little Stasters.
0: They're instatiable. I don't know. I'd have to think about this for a while. Instatiables is kind of funny.
2: (laughs) I also... (laughs) I kind of like the idea of a physical mutation being unrelated to the kind of power mutation.
0: Right. I do like that Kailan, who she was in that support group with, Mm -hmm. his power has nothing to do with being a kitty cat guy. He just is a (laughs) kitty cat guy. But his power is to perfectly imitate any sound. Right. Which is a fun gag in the Alan Davis Excalibur because they all assume he has some cool cat-like power. And then he just goes like, berserk. (laughs) like he just makes cool sounds and megan's like oh my goodness i love it like she's so charmed everybody else is like this doesn't seem super useful he's just a cool cat guy because he is and stacy x is just a cool snake lady because she is yeah i do think it would be cool though if she maybe like i don't know she could have like a blend into the wall like chameleon scale pattern kind of like you could give her little things that would be kind of neat but i she shouldn't be like a literal snake lady probably like yeah on the nose but I don't know. I, I love that she's back in her snaky glory. I love mm-hmm. that she is back to looking that way after the really emotional scene at the support group where yeah. she expresses how depressed she is now that she doesn't have her scales anymore. Especially that versus Chuck Austin being like, yeah, like the scales compelled my stepfather to molest me, which I don't think that's bad necessarily, but I don't I, like, I'm glad it's not the last place we're leaving mm-hmm. the character in terms of how she feels about it. like. It is true that people are targeted because of things that are perceived as different or special about them. So like that makes sense to me. And again, like I think that she brings a lot of mutant metaphor stuff out that other characters just don't touch. Mm-hmm. And that's really valuable about the character. But I think the most valuable thing about the character is that she loves looking like a weird snake lady.
2: Yeah, she is she is so empowered by She her. thinks she's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, the X Ranch was just a bunch of sexy chicks being sexy.
0: They were just hot girls having a hot girl summer until the Church of Humanity came and ruined everything because the <laughs> X-Men because the X Men were not institutionally supporting this X-Range. I mean, Warren is embarrassed that they put the X-hyphen on it. He's mm-hmm. like, this is not... He's, he protests to... He's like, this is not an official Xavier-aligned <laughs> project because he's trying to launch X-Corp and Mutant Sans Frontières and all of that shit at this point. So, like, he's just like, it's bad press, but... It's not press, it was their lives. like these were real people. And he does really come to value Stacy in the Casey run. and that's why like I don't I feel like it I need them back on Krakoa because much like the Morlocks, it humanizes people who are often disregarded, but mm-hmm. then it kills them to make the characters who are more privileged feel bad, right. That's why I need Fat Nancy and Madame Dracha and the Poison Ivy girl and whoever else to be thriving on Krakoa. They could help Stacy at the bower. I mean, like, why yeah, not? I would love that. Throw them into Legion. Have them just like in the background and we're like, we know those girls. If you've read the Joe Casey run and Uncanny X run. <laughs> Have you read Uncanny X on three ninety nine? Then you recognize these <laughs> lovely ladies. Like, you know,
2: that would be cute, I think. I would love that.
0: Zach Jenkins writes, sup, how many floor babies can Stacy reasonably take care of? <laughs> what do you think Stacy's reaction to the first floor baby was? Enjoy, Zach.
2: Tep to call them floor babies, just to, just to center that point. <laughs> they were dropped on the floor, yeah.
0: I know Zach doesn't love this particular plot development in Way of X, I think, is my understanding from talking to him about it. My thing is like, we don't know much about Stacy's past. We know that she was abused by her stepfather. We know that she calls herself trailer trash.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The vibe that one gets from the fake story that she tells the church in Uncanny 400, even though she's parodying her own life. Mm-hmm. The fact of my mother didn't want me anymore because I was a mutant with scales and I was abused and yada yada and I ended up on the streets and then the cops beat the ever-loving shit out of me whenever they caught sight of me. That, I think, is all true.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think Stacy feels a responsibility to abandoned mutant children. I mean, I think that that makes perfect sense. I do think that I would like her to have, like, a staff so that she can go do other things. Like, I like that she set this up. Yeah. I don't think that it's what she's destined to do. For the- like, politically speaking... I like that she's being shown as someone compassionate because again, her compassion is her central character trait, even though she's like a tough broad who doesn't take shit from anybody. Mm -hmm. But there is something that kind of is a little neutralizing of this character to be like, and now she's babysitting and doing like appropriate lady things.
2: Right. Yeah. And now this, this place of sex is also this like, very neutered place of uh, taking care of children. Taking care
0: of children and all that, right. I think that for the point that was being made in Way of X, it made sense. Her conversation with Kurt... I would prefer not to focus on the babies too much. And I would prefer to just like have the bower more be mm-hmm. the chill, sexy time place that Stacey runs. You know, there could be a couple babies.
2: She does. She mentions at the end of that issue, uh, she's like, once the council figures out adoption. So let's just say they figured out adoption. Like, Well,
0: also, the implication is that the behavior, because Zach, I, I cut down the question a little bit. But Zach was like, what does this say about like the culture that people can do this? This is in the book where Onslaught is making everyone act out their most base urges and follow their id. So I think that we should assume that with Onslaught's influence no longer infecting the island, people are perhaps being more responsible about their unplanned pregnancies. Like I think that it's part and parcel of the violence that was happening in the book and everything else. Now, it's a Grant Morrison type thing where it's a literal character, but it's also a symbol of a cultural problem, right? Which is like everybody just sort of giving in to paradise and, and losing sight of being human in other ways besides the human versus mutant divide. I think that going forward, probably there are fewer floor babies, right? Like, I, I just don't think that's... And and I do think that Stacy has probably found homes for most of these babies (laughs) at this point there are plenty of gay mutants looking for a child right so you know yeah
2: i bet angel and beak can take a couple more
0: yeah they've got like 20 kids so you know what's one more interesting infant (laughs) patrick talbot writes hello connor and josh esteemed Cornillon. First and foremost, I love Stacey X. She's an icon, a legend, and she is the moment. I feel like Way of X put her in a very interesting place running Krakoa's Planned Parenthood slash orphanage. My question is twofold. One, do you think the council sponsors her services or is she using her pheromone powers to Robin Hood some money to keep it running? Two, what other mutants would work with her? Thanks. Well, the council is in no way supporting her efforts because Kurt did not know about them. Yeah. And he's on the council. So she's doing this grassroots, honey, which like, of course, because... She's been homeless. She's been a sex worker. Like, she, this is her. She she knows not to
2: rely on institutional power.
0: Right. She's talking about Marinette lost, and she's like, I know that look. I've lived that look. I have been an abused, destitute, homeless person who is struggling to survive. She does not have any faith in Xavier and his merry gang to do anything, and she's taking care of it herself. How is she paying for it? Krakoa doesn't really seem to have money in the yeah. traditional sense. It's more like a barter exchange of services kind of thing. So she's probably helping Blob with something and he'll help her with something. Like the people running businesses on Krokoa seem yeah. to be engaging in an ecosystem of sorts.
2: And I bet Krokoa the island is incentivized to create this space. It wants to create spaces for children and, and so on.
0: Yeah, and I bet a lot of energy is generated by the fucking in the fucking area. Exactly. So if you're Krakoa, that's fun <laughs> times. That's the treat.
2: I like to think that she also um was left in the Noodaloo Man's will, and that's where she's getting some money. <laughs> it took a little while, so that's why we started. I though. would
0: love a story about the Noodle Man's inheritance <laughs> for Stacy. In our Stacy X Prestige Maxi series, <laughs> we will finally resolve that dangling plot thread. Yeah. As for who should help her there or who would work there with her, I mean, we know that Marinette is working there. As we said, we would love to see the X Ranch girls resurrected and helping Stacy out with her endeavors. In an earlier episode I think I said like Skin and Husk might be good at this stuff. They're mm-hmm. sort of nurturing. They take care of young people well.
2: It would be a great move for for Husk and Stacy.
0: That's I that's what I was thinking is like I would love to see Husk and Stacy just like being cool. Like we don't have to revisit it. We could just establish like in the time since they're cool because mm-hmm. it's been 20 years since Chuck Austin wrote them. So it's fine.
2: Yeah, they don't need to hash it out. They just, they're they chill now. We can
0: assume they hashed it out, like, years ago or whatever, and it's yeah. fine, you know? Lewis Wilkes writes, Hi, Connor, an esteemed guest. Stacey X is a character I love so much, partly because she seems so unapologetic in who she is and what she does, despite a number of other characters treating her pretty poorly as a result. My question is, we've seen hints of Krakoa as a sexually liberated paradise, e.g. the Scott Jean Logan thruple, etc., and even the seeds of new roles for Stacey within it. But do you think Krakoa society could have a different understanding of sex work, particularly as residents have seemingly unlimited resources, so it could remove the more transactional elements that trouble people about it? What could you see Stacey's role being in this society with a new understanding of sex and sexuality? Thanks again for my weekly dose of kick. Much love, Lewis, Adrienne Frost's husband on the Discord. Thank you for writing in, Lewis, Adrian Frost's husband. One of my favorite usernames. Because if you know, you know. I would love to see this. I just don't know how much this is something that, like, corporate comics are going to dig into in 2022 is all. Is Stacy going to actually be operating a brothel? I think that would be cool. I think it would be cool for her to recreate X Ranch on Krakoa, like, for the Bower to be mm-hmm. like that. To be a place where people can come, men, women, whoever, who want to work in that way, who are longing for a place where they feel desired, where they can help other people in this way. Like I would love to see a very consensual, we don't need to do survival sex work. It's something that we enjoy doing Mm -hmm. the way that she talked about temple prostitution in that way of X
2: issue. Right. Sex work as community care. kind of.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that that could be really interesting. I just don't know how much a Marvel comic is going to dig into that deep, Yeah. Nowadays, the Joe Casey around Uncanny is before Marvel changed hands. And there's like a lot of I mean, we've got a huge family friendly MCU now. I don't know how much that's going to happen, but I would like to see more of it. I would because here's the thing. Sex work is work. I mean, like, you know, this is I'm not reinventing the wheel here, but Mm -hmm. I know too many people who do this work to not want to see them represented in a heroic context in a story where that is something that you can do and be a hero. It is something that you can do out of compassion for other people. I mean, that story with the noodle guy is really moving for a reason. And she could be that for a lot of people, or she could help facilitate that for a lot of people. And it doesn't have to be sex oriented, but it could be, and there shouldn't be anything wrong with that. You know?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree.
0: Kara Roper writes, Hello Connor, an esteemed guest. I'm a big Nightcrawler fan, so I was first introduced to Stacey X in that comic where Nightcrawler and Domino host a support group for mutants with visual mutations. Do you think she and Nightcrawler should team up more after Way of X? Would she be critiquing the council instead? Thanks for hosting the pod. It's rekindled my love for the X-Men. Thanks again. Kara, aka Sage Toad T on the server and Twitter. PSI from Tennessee, if you want to try an accent. Whenever you do your rogue <laughs> voice, it never fails to make me laugh. Well, I'm glad. I think that Kurt and Stacy are really interesting together. I would love to see more of that play out in Legion of X. I think she's a good sounding board for him, and he needs someone who will question his more orthodox positions. She doesn't care that you're an X-Man. <laughs> she doesn't care that you were in the giant-sized team. That doesn't matter to her. So she can question him and other people in a way that a lot of characters don't question them, and I think that that's valuable.
2: Yeah, I think that she serves as a great foil to him, um, especially as he kind of reevaluates his place as a person of faith on Krokoa and what he wants from Krokoa moving forward. And she, you know, very clearly wants different things. But there is a middle ground. As for her questioning the council, I, I think it would be really interesting to see her kind of connect with the council because I don't think it's a role she wants, but I think it's a role that she would take on in order to achieve what she thinks is necessary and to represent... The people who aren't really being represented on the council. Mm-hmm. It would be a, a moment like kind of the Casey run where it's like, why is Stacey X here? And yet she is so deeply integral to what's going
0: on. Yeah. Alex Buckland writes, Dear Connor and Josh slay Cornillon, since the issue of Way of X Stacey appeared in, I've been saying she needs to have a seat on the council. But then I got to thinking, who would Ms. X choose for her own rival quiet council? Would they all be serving as much cunt as she does? Anyways, Stacey X for council. Much love. Alex Blue Romantics on Twitter. They're so funny
2: yeah alex is fantastic
0: i don't think stacy would want to be on the council but i do think that stacy should have a crew of bad bitches that she hangs out with
2: yeah absolutely needs the loud council up in here
0: yeah it's like the caffy clatch at the bower you know <laughs> like i think i just think that would be fun honestly it is crazy that stacy and emma as far as i know have never interacted
2: i don't think she's met emma i don't think she's met jean she met Scott very briefly. She's never met Storm. She met women just to fight with them. That was all she just did. Just
0: to fight with them in the Austin run. Because in the Casey run, it literally is like just her most of the time. Yeah. I would love to see her talk to Polaris. Mm-hmm. They don't overlap on the Chuck Austin team, which is crazy. He swaps Stacy out for Polaris. Mm-hmm. Which, like... Okay, sure. And I, I think that what Austin does with Polaris, for all that it's a little sexist, yeah. is interesting. As I've said many times, I think he does push her in a direction that was different and that contributes to the Polaris that Duggan is writing that we now love so much in mm-hmm. this era. There's a little bit of Austin's crazy Polaris in there because <laughs> she was so mean and funny. Like that was the thing about her under Austin. But I think that Stacey and Lorna would be really fun.
2: I know that it's it's the bias of them being my cerebro characters, but Stacy and Pixie I think would go great. Well, yeah, I mean, if,
0: if she continues into Legion of X, I would love to see her yeah. and Pixie interacting more because there was a little bit of that interaction at the Green Lagoon in right. the way of X three, and I'd love to see more of that because Pixie is clearly like scandalized by Stacy X. But if you think back, Pixie's like kind of fantasy from Age of X was becoming nightmare, the like slutty Pixie, yeah. and also Stacy helping pixie deal with her half sisters the lady's mastermind phenomenal is an infinity comic that josh Crinion and i would kill (laughs) to do so marvel should just call us we are
2: we are so cheap marvel we will come we will do that for a penny (laughs) pixie's powers and stacy's powers this idea of what is kind of consensual or what is appropriate to like put on people
0: pixie's pixie dust does something similar to what stacy's pheromones mm-hmm. do in terms of like making you hallucinate and see things that pixie wants you to see and like all of that so yeah i think it would be really there's interesting, interesting stuff there she i mean quite honestly especially if you bring in the ladies mastermind and they're trying to mentor pixie in their own way right having Stacey x be like the responsible mentor with a similar power would be kind of fun
2: right and stacy and the ladies mastermind as both examples of mutants who are not part of xavier's dream but kind of chose to interpret that in very different ways
0: yeah and who are seen as like whores who are exactly. frivolous by the people around them and have leaned into that in their own way exactly like the ladies mastermind are also leading aggressively with their sexuality but in a very different way from the way that stacy does
2: yeah it's it's <laughs> Three women that have claimed their sexuality for better or for worse. Stacy being for better. The ladies' mastermind for worse.
0: Yeah. Last question. I'm sorry we can't get to everybody, but we are running a little long. Last question. Krakoa Welcomes asks, fuck, marry, kill, Warren, Bobby Kurt. This for me is very, very easy, but I'll take your answer first.
2: Warren Bobby Kurt. I fuck Kurt. I marry Warren. And I have to kill Bobby because we're both bottoms. Sorry.
0: That's not why I would answer (laughs) it that way, but that is the correct answer, right? Like, and no disrespect to Bobby. I know he'd like to meet those top men. I am not (laughs) the one he's searching for. You fuck Kurt for sure.
2: Yeah. He's just, he slings incredible dick.
0: You know, he does. And then you marry Warren because.
2: Good dick, good money. Good dick,
0: good money, hot pretty nice most of the time he and candy were living in domestic bliss most of the time when they were together except for you know their off again periods when he was like they're making me date dazzler in her solo book or whatever (laughs) but like for the most part he seems like a pretty good partner but that was him
2: young i think i think
0: and now him older i think he'd be like a very good yeah very
2: attentive partner
0: and then bobby bobby is going through like a gay adolescence right now in his 30s and I'm so like old in gay years at this point <laughs> that I just feel like we would not be on like the same wavelength. I think that it's actually good that he's like, I don't think he and Kristen should be together forever, but I think Kristen's a good person to help him acclimate to like gay culture because he's a little older and he's also though a little fucked up in his own way because right. of like the weird shit with his dad. So I think that that's good. Like someone who has more patience for Bobby than I think I would. Mm -hmm. Similarly, like the implied threesome they had with Somnus and the Marauder's annual was a real treat. I thought, and Somnus is someone who also like repressed in certain ways. So I think let them sort of work that out. I have been out since I was 16 and I just can't, I can't be the guide anymore. I just don't (laughs) think I could do that. I've been around that track a lot of times. So fuck Kurt. Mary warren kill bobby but no disrespect you seen, you know i like bobby
2: yeah if anyone's seen my work you know i love bobby
0: oh i mean yeah no doubt the bottom bobby series is <laughs> second only to the himbo angel series in terms of your naughty gay fan art that has gone viral
2: it's out there it's out there
0: good stuff look it up well josh is there anything else you'd like to say about stacy x before we start to wrap up
2: i hope this episode let people see her with the dignity that she deserves i really enjoy talking with somebody who unlike the pixie episode where i was really fighting an uphill battle <laughs> you came into this uh on board so i i really appreciate that and um yeah put stacy x and more shit people if the x office is listening
0: i think she's a really great character she deserves a bigger spotlight. And I have hope that the positive response to the character's return in Way of X, which overall I do think like, you know, people feel different kinds of ways about the floor babies, as Zach called them. And people feel different kinds of ways about the way that Kurt was written in that issue. Again, I didn't really have a problem with it, but I think maybe my view of Kurt is a little different from the way some people's view of Kurt is but the reaction to Stacy overall seemed very positive from what I could see. So I would love to see more of her because I'm really excited for Legion of X. And I think that book's going to be great. So if she is one of the rotating cast members, that would be super fun.
2: Yeah. I think that that would be super cool. I would love to see her and Pixie together some more. Um, just more Stacey X in comics.
0: I would also love to see Leah get a hold of her again, like in a longer form way, mm-hmm. because I do think that she has an affinity for the character. And I'd like to see what she would do with more page space with her. So yeah, I hope that you all have enjoyed this Stacey time. <laughs> Josh, why don't you tell the listeners where they can follow you online and plug anything you want to plug?
2: Like I said before, the, uh, the Young Men in Love anthology, check that out. I think it's a little too early for pre-orders, but that'll be coming out this summer. Uh, and you can find me online at Josh Cornillon. That's Josh, C-O-R-N-I-L-L-O-N. That's on um, Twitter and Instagram. Feel free to send me a DM. I'm always down to talk about Stacy.
0: You can follow Cerebro on Twitter and Instagram at CerebroCast. You can follow me on Twitter at Dream of Organon or on Instagram at Connor Goldsmith. You can find all of the episodes plus links to the merch store, the Discord server, and much, much more at CerebroCast.com, the official landing page for the podcast. You can write to Cerebro at CerebroCast at gmail.com. Questions are still open for Cat Overland on Chamber. Everything else will be already recorded by the time you hear this in terms of what's been announced already. Next week's episode will feature Victor Laval coming in to talk about Sabretooth. I'm super, super excited about that. excited. Please come back for that. In March, writer Charles Pulliam Moore and I link up to explore the hive mind of Sophie, Phoebe, Irma, Celeste, and Esme, the Stepford Cuckoos. Then, for my birthday week, model Caroline Bird, a.k.a. Caroline Cosplays, helps me focus the totality of my psychic power as we celebrate Canon once Revanche, now the second Psylocke. Then, for St. Patrick's Day, writer Tom Dunn and I evade the leprechauns of Cassidy Keep with the zaddy of Zaddy's Banshee. And I'll be rounding out season two with a finale episode 75 that I can't announce just yet, but if I can make it happen, I think it's going to be a real treat for $5 a month at the house of Saladine tier at patreon.com slash three broadcast. You can get an ad free experience an ad free MP3 version of every episode. As soon as they go up plus secret file bonus episodes. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, bye. Bye.
1: X-Men. X-Men. In the 21st century, people mutants led by Magneto aim to destroy the world. Only hope is. X-Men.